Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Make sure to check out the video version of this podcast at youtube.com slash game of microphones. See everything you're missing. There are two among the captains of the City Watch that remain loyal to Damon. Let us replace them. Lord Lannister. The treasury is well in hand. The gold will be divided for safekeeping. Let ravens be sent to our allies, Riverrun and Highgarden. Am I to understand that members of the small council have been planning secretly to install my son without me? My queen, there was no need to sully you with darkling schemes. We are the sword in the darkness. We are the shield that guards the realms of men. We are... Game of Microphones. And now... It's your host, Sir Duncan the Fearsome. Well met and good morrow, all you vile usurpers, awful oathbreakers, and fiendish foot fetishists, and welcome to Game of Microphones. I'm Lord Sterling, Sir Duncan the Fearsome, Dragon Pit Repairman, and it's a gonna take me forever to clean this mess. Uh, and I'm Lord Zach, Royal Hangman by day, arsonist by night, cloaked and hooded. <laughs> welcome to episode 129. On this episode, we're covering House of the Dragon, Season 1, Episode 9, The Green Council. (laughs) And in case you're not already aware, this podcast is from the perspective of someone who's current on the show. That means you've seen all previously aired episodes of Game of Thrones and House of the Dragon. If not, there's still time to be brained by a stone sphere, so you don't have to hear these spoilers. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert.
Fear not, friends. If you haven't read Fire and Blood, which covers this period of the Targaryen reign, we will only be discussing events from the Dance of Dragons that have already come to pass on House of the Dragon, and we'll take caution not to spoil drama that's still to come on the show. And if you're enjoying our coverage of House of the Dragon and have enjoyed our complete series rewatch of Game of Thrones covering every episode in depth, please consider taking the black and helping us to get out of the red by subscribing to our Patreon at patreon.com slash gompodcast or by making a one-time donation to keep our show alive at paypal.me slash gompodcast. Without any further ado, let's get into our coverage of House of the Dragon Season 1, Episode 9. The Green Council. Whew, man. This episode was crazy. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> really? I mean, just, I guess uh, on the internet, you know, it may not be as universally loved as, you know, the previous few episodes, but to me, this was, this was right up there with, with the rest of the season. I, me I too. mean, it was just, just, I mean, nonstop. Plots and schemes, schemes and plots, as Tyrion said, schemes and plots are the same thing. Um, <laughs> it, I mean, just like I've always sort of wondered, like we saw a little bit with with Joffrey and Cersei, but like not the behind the scenes workings of the council. And, you know, we find out that, you know, there's been this plot all along. Um, but just to see, OK, the king dies. What's the next step? OK, and that's where the episode starts. And okay, after that, you know, then, you know, after Talia finds out, Allison finds out, then she goes straight to Otto and then they convene the small council and then the small council decides to do X, Y, and Z and just sets like that day. This basically covers one day. And then the very next morning, because she says, Tama, not Tama, uh, Aegon <laughs> will, will be crowned, you know, tomorrow at dawn. And, you know, and they do that and that's the end of the episode. So it's basically just this day. That they that Viserys, you know, that we wake up the next morning and Viserys has died, and then everything that happens that day to put Aegon on the throne is pretty, you know, I mean, very, you know, it's all in King's Land. Do we go anywhere else? I don't nope. even think we have even a little spy shot at Driftmark or Dragonstone. Yeah, it makes sense that we didn't else. see any uh, Daenerys, any Daemon and Rhaenyra this episode because all this takes place before they even find out. They've locked exactly. down the servants so that no word escapes, except for. Talia's little uh, yeah. signal flare that she sends with the candles in the window. And yeah. uh, so it's all locked down. All this takes place before Dana, uh, Damon and Rhaenyra find out. So next episode, we'll get their reaction and see what happens. I like I like yeah. that they did it this way because it's like it's happening in secret. So it's all it, it's like its own little bubble episode where all the plotting and scheming is occurring. And then we'll be like back to normal next week. I get I bet. Exactly. But like like. Uh... Otto says in the council meeting, time is of the essence. Mm-hmm. And Cersei understands this, you know, in season one after Robert dies. Uh, she knows that Ned Stark is is moving to oppose her. And of course, Renly and Stannis, you know, or they they have different plans. And she Cersei moves quickly to, you know, have Ned arrested, um, install Joffrey on the throne. And you can't waste time when you're usurping. That's what we've come to find out. <laughs> yeah. From Game of Thrones, a hot date. Definitely. So pretty, pretty crazy. Pretty crazy. So the episode starts picking up right where we left off. It's still dark in the castle and eerie, eerie shots looking down empty hallways and halls. And 
And we get a little blonde boy walking through the halls, right? Wearing little black boots, little, little leather blue, little, little, little leather boots. And this this kind of confused me because it seems like he's just some yeah. regular old servant boy or something. But it, it look, he looks Targaryen. So I thought that it exactly. was. Yeah, I thought it was Aegon and Helena's son. And then when we get to a, a couple scenes later, when they're like, where's Aegon? Where's Aegon? I thought it, it was there like a son named Aegon of theirs that like ran off in the middle of the uh, night or no, something. No. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, so I think, I think they're, tw- I think Aegon and Helena's twins are Jaehaerys and Jahera, a boy and a girl. Yeah, sounds right. So I was thinking that it was little baby Darren, who is Alicent's fourth child that we haven't seen yet. Oh. But he's supposed to be in Old Town, you know, as a ward. So right, right, right. I think he is just a little serving boy, but he has blonde hair. And I guess they just threw that in there to throw us off. Yeah, I guess. All he does, all he does is in come out of the Italia, king's, right? Yeah, he comes out of, I guess he comes out of the king's room and, or maybe some other, it's not, does it look like a secret passage that he comes out of? It just looks like a normal door. And he goes down to the kitchens, finds Talia and tells her who, you know, goes straight to Allison. Yep. Yeah, that was pretty so, crazy. I think it's just a little serving boy or a little spy, you know, child spy or both. And he just happens to be blonde. So yeah, we're, we were left confused in the moment. <laughs> yeah. So Alicent is upset. She's beside herself and uh, she's on the verge of tears in bed as she learns the, the, of Viserys's fate. And she tells Talia to stay there. First, help her get dressed. Don't tell nobody. And so she gets dressed and leaves. And this is when Talia lights the candles in a triangular and a pyramidal shape in the window. And this must be a signal to the white worm and her crew, kind of like in, uh, <laughs> in Lord of the Rings, how they have the signal fires on top of the mountains. And some, somebody's yep. just on duty watching all the time. They know Constantly. that Viserys's death is imminent. So they've got, Missaria has got somebody keeping an eye out, you know, for this particular, um, candle pattern in a, in this window and word makes its way back to Missaria as we see later. So, but for now, Alicent arrives at this, uh, at Otto's chambers to inform him. And he's asking who already knows, because this is like of the utmost important with the plots that are going to be ensuing. It's critical that they compartmentalize this information and prevent word from getting out until things have settled and they've succeeded with their goal here. So, exactly. This, you know, Al, um, we come in and we're look. I think we look at Otto for a minute and he's just kind of standing there collecting his thoughts. But his first words are, who knows? Who knows? So. He he knows that the control of the flow of information is of the utmost importance. Definitely. And uh, this is when Allison tells him, I saw him last night before he trails off. He told me he wished for Egon to be king. And he kind of looks at her like, what? Like, are you, you can't be yes, serious. Yes, <laughs> like Otto, Otto literally sits up in his chair and it was like, what? 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 <laughs> exactly. Like the, 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 the gif of the guy saying, oh, really? You know, so go to the YouTube video if you want to see me impersonate that gif. Video is better. Audio podcasts are great, but video is better. Yeah. Uh, but he just like, he does this like, he can't believe 
like they they got this plan anyway, and they were going to move with this plan whether Allison got this you know word on word from on high you know vis a vis Viserys about who needs, who should be the heir. But and it seems what, regardless of Allison's comp- compliance oh, and complicity, absolutely. so what would have happened? She would have been locked in her room just like Rainey's, you know, probably. Yeah. Sorry, because, go ahead. Didn't mean I to mean, cut you off. If Allison, you know, is as pure as the wind-driven snow, as you like to think. Um, <laughs> as I know, just say, you mean? <laughs> is if, if she never got, if, if Viserys never had that conversation with her. I mean, I, I, I guess, as much as I, I dislike Allison, I guess she would have continued to go forward with supporting Rhaenyra as heir. Um, yeah, it I seems mean, like it, right? If Viserys hadn't you know, accidentally told her, you know, the prince that was promised, it must be you. It must be you. And it's only out of her love for Viserys that she feels now duty bound to carry out his wishes, his final death wishes. (laughs) I really don't get to install. Right. I don't, um, I mean, she does get to install her own son, uh, on the throne, but I don't think she she wanted to. Obviously she's taken unawares as the, the Lannister. I wrote all the names down. Uh, (laughs) The scheming, the scheming plotters, the, the plotting schemers. Darkling uh, plots. Anyway, I mean, it's Iron Rod, Lannister, Otto, um, Orwell, the Maester's in on it. Um, Is he? He he doesn't seem I mean, he's, surprised. He's going along he, with it. Yeah, he seems reticent or hesitant, though, as well. But, I mean, it's basically like, the Maesters God. are, like, they don't have a political affiliation necessarily they're basically sworn to give the best advice they can to whatever lord or house they're assigned to so i mean it seems weird if somebody's going to go to war with old town you know via, via, with us uh, or go to war with the high towers and mm-hmm. you know basically thus old, the whole city of old town because the church is there and the citadel is there, the citadel of the maesters is there right so he's but, just kind of like grouped in with them he was anyway. trying to get beesbury to like okay dude just just accept it that this is what's happening. Could have just been out of self-preservation though, because he re- exactly. recognized the yeah, danger. Yeah. So Allison tells uh, Otto that, oh, he, we had this conversation and I was the only witness. And like this, Otto is like, you know, he must be thinking, oh, a gift from the gods. Like <laughs> this is fantastic because it gives our schemes legitimacy. Yeah. So of course I like, I think Otto sort of believes Allison, but then he's like, this is too good to be true. She's just saying this to install Aegon, even though we know she's not. She really did have this conversation with Viserys, but Otto must be thinking this is too good to be true. It's her own little scheme. But, right. She's doing it to give the scheme legitimacy. And turns out there was already a scheme. Yeah. It was really cool. The plots within plots. Yeah, really cool. So uh, they convene the small council and before they place the stones, they have a little conversation. Thailand Lannister is like, what could, you know, what, what's so urgent? It couldn't wait until I finished my beauty rest. You know, but he's all pumped up with his bling and everything. He's got like huge neck. He's Mr. T apparently. Yeah. He he, uh, walked in, he walked in and did not read the room. Yeah, <laughs> didn't even bother to look at the expressions on their faces. Yeah. Was Dorne invaded? <laughs> and Otto, the king is dead. He calls him uh, Viserys the Peaceful, which is a cool name. We yeah. had Jaehaerys the Conciliator, Aegon the Conqueror. Uh, we have Magor the Cruel prior to this. And uh, now we have Viserys the Peaceful, our sovereign, Peaceful. our friend, as he refers to him empathetically. 
or uh, I don't know if that's the right word for that, but but uh, he informs everybody and he's left us a gift. With his last breath, he impressed upon the queen his final wish that his son Egon should succeed him as lord of the seven kingdoms. And thunder ominously rolls. Mm-hmm. And uh, who is it that, that, oh, it's Tyland who responds, uh, oh, then we could proceed with the full assurance of his blessing on our long laid plans. And Allison kind of perks up like, what? Long laid plans, yeah. man. This is, I can't remember from the books if, if, like, I know they have a small council meeting, but I don't know if there's mention of like a preset plot, like plan. Uh, like when the queen died recently uh, in Scotland, I guess there's some code name plan of what to do if she dies in Scotland versus England. And, uh, you know, there, you know, there's different procedures and protocols to go through, but it's pretty, pretty cool to see that they, there's this preset plan that they had already worked out, you know, mm-hmm. from a long time ago. Yeah. Pretty crazy. <laughs> in my mind, basically Tylen Lannister has become Jason Lannister. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like we first meet Tylen and he's trying to brief, uh, Viserys in episode two about stepstones and stepstones and stepstones. And Viserys is like, where's Rhaenyra? Where's Rhaenyra? Hey, do you know where Nira, Rhaenyra is at? And Tylen is like dutifully trying to report on the step stones. But now Tylen has basically become the Jason Lannister that we meet at the Royal Hunt. He really he has. presumes and he's pompous and he presumes to know, you know, what the succession will be. And he's trying to get Rhaenyra's, you know, hand in marriage and all that. So like in my mind, I just sort of fused the two. And then I was like, oh yeah, this is Tylen Lannister, the, the second son, or maybe the third son, I guess he's second or you know, further down the line. Um, well, they're twins, ships. right? So, unless there's yeah, triplets, uh, he's good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he could be the youngest of three, right? So, he's probably like, since he's in on this plot and everything, he probably, you know, before he was like, oh, I'm second son, I'm like, I got a cool job and everything, but you know, my brother's still not the Lord, Lord. but yeah, now he's not like, the Lord of Casterly Rock, yeah, now he's scheming and he's like making a, oh, big yeah. moves and having a big influence, and he's like. Building up his ego in the process, you know? Yeah. And like you said, his, his, uh, what's it called? Swag. Oh uh, yeah. His, his bling. And his bling. His swag, his, his bling, uh, yeah. He's blinged out to, uh, <laughs> to show everybody how important he is. Every time I come around, you fit it, bling, bling. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, he, like, he just like spits out the, the plot. Like, oh, so we can proceed with the full assurance of our long laid plans. Yeah. Like outing them. Exactly. We get this quick glance of Allison's like, wait, what? And before she can even say anything, Otto's like, oh, yes, there's much to be done, as we previously discussed. Uh, two captains on the City Watch that uh, were loyal to Damon, they need to be replaced. Um, and he, he tells Lord Lannister to do that. And Lannister, who master isn't of the treasury, well, he's master of ships. And oh, for right, now, right, right, right. And Beesbury, but I think he's about to take over master of coin. But anyway, he says, the treasury is well in hand. Gold will be divided for safekeeping, which I do remember something about the gold in the books. Something happens with some of it or all of it. I can't remember. But like, I think what he's saying is they're divvying it up, sending it to different locations just so that all their eggs aren't in one basket, you know. So they're taking the 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 Targaryen soldiers, eliminating anybody who may be, uh, you know, free thinking or loyal to the blacks and they're taking to Targaryen gold and splitting it up for safekeeping. That's insane, dude. 
Yeah. It sounds like they've been purging the Targs, Targ loyalists from the forces for a while now. Probably, yeah, there's only two captains left that uh, remain loyal to yeah. uh, Damon. So uh, Tylan talks about the gold. Um, and Otto, we just, they keep on like running down the list of things they got to do. Uh, let Ravens be sent to our allies in River Run and High Garden. So I started kind of making a list of nice, who's, good who, call. Who's, who's greens, who's blacks. Um, I need to like, I just wrote it in my, in my notes, but I need to like make a official, you know, chart, left side, right side, um, greens, blacks. So it sounds yeah. like the Tullys of River Run and the, not the High Gardeners, the, uh, the Corey Eugene Kuhn, who's uh, the last High Garden of High Garden, you know, anyway, I can't say it. <laughs> the last High Gardener of High Garden. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Makes me think of House Tyrell or Tyrell. How do you say it? Tyrell? I say Tyrell, but it could be Tyrell. Yeah. Uh, the Tyrells of High Garden seem to be uh, Team Green. Um, they're sending ravens to them. And then here, uh, Allison finally cuts in. It's like, hold on just a minute. You mean to tell me that members of this small council have been secretly planning to install my son? Uh, without me? And I think it was Iron Rod. Yeah, yeah. You know, without her, without her knowledge or consent. Like, it's her son. It's like, it's her, you know, flesh and blood. Shouldn't she be consulted? This type of situation is crazy. Absolutely. And this sort of affirms my speculation or my, my, um, what I noticed that she and her father don't, haven't been on the same page, basically, uh, leading up to this. You could tell that her father was scheming and she was like caught in between the two. It didn't seem like they were necessarily fully allied. And this proves it that she's not even in on the plans and the plotting. And, uh, so that was pretty, quite the revelation. And this scene is so tense, dude. You could cut the tension. With you don't even need Valyrian steel to cut the tension. You could use a mm-hmm. butter knife. You know, <laughs> I think it's uh, Ironrod who says, "Oh my queen, there was no need to sully you with Darkling schemes." Yeah, Darkling, uh, cool. Which made me think of Darkwing Duck, and Darkwing Duck. Yeah, love that cartoon as a kid. It also made me think of the Darklings, you know, of Duskendale. Yeah, that like we, we were just about. talking about. That's what made me think week of or two weeks ago. Uh, Darkling schemes. And then here we get the man of the hour, the hero, Lyman Beesbury. He stands up. I will not have this. <laughs> I mean, he's so, I mean, there's nothing he can do. Literally, he's outnumbered, what, like six to one or seven to one? Yeah, he's in big trouble. And speaking of Darkwing Duck, when there's trouble, you call DW, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, say for, you know, uh, Harold Westerling, you know, sort of seems to be of the same the same sentiment. But um uh, I'm not old man. To, to, to hear you're plotting to replace the king's chosen heir with an imposter. I was like, he stood up. I was like, yes, he's an imposter. Let's go, Beesbury. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, God, Beesbury's fucked. <laughs> he's in trouble. He's surrounded by a den of vipers here. Oh, yeah, exactly. Super uh, viper. Uh, what's the movie where they fall into the snakes? Uh, one of the uh, Indiana Jones movies. Oh, I think Don't it was number like- two. A whole, I mean, there's snakes everywhere. Raiders of the Lost Ark, right? They enter that the, sounds right. they go climb down the thing in the map room and then something happens and there's snakes. I don't know. I yeah. don't know. But that's Beesbury in this moment. He is surrounded by the snakes of the high towers. And he just um, yells, I'm sick of all these motherfucking snakes on this motherfucking plane. <laughs> this motherfucking council. <laughs> so he had called, Beesbury had called Aegon an imposter. And Tylan says, well, the firstborn son of Viserys is hardly an imposter. Um, and Beesbury, you know, brings up the, the oath, you know, that they swore, uh, all these 
Lords and Knights, you know, swore fealty to, uh, to Princess Rhaenyra. Um, and Tylan tries to just, you know, brush it away. Oh, 20 years ago, most of them are dead. I think in the books, Tylan even says, um, I swore no such oath. You know, I was merely a boy at that, you know, at that time. Oh, interesting. So, you know, bringing up his own personal, it's like, you know, my dad or whoever was uncle, whoever was Lord of Casterly Rock back then, they may have sworn something. Me. Not yeah, me. I didn't, I didn't swear anything. Not my problem. Not my chin, not my problem. That's what I say. <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, he says, 20 years ago, most of them are now dead. So then old Ironrod, Jasper Wild, um, says, you know, you heard the hand. And, you know, our plot, you know, notwithstanding, the king changed his mind. Um, yeah, plot or no. Yeah, here Beesbury, you know, he just doubles down, like sort of like a Vayman last week. He's like, no, I don't care what you say. I'm, you know, I'm 76 years old, which is really old for this, you know, Wicked period old. history. I mean, if we say that this is, you know, equivalent to real medieval times, like average age was like 40 or 45, maybe. Oof. Maybe 60 was like a really long life. This guy's 76, in which he is, you know, he's lived a cush life of, you know, Lord of whatever the Beesberries are Lord of and, uh, you know, Master of Coin for many years now. You know, I heard something about that recently that the average lifespan is seems it's shorter in a number like that when you do an average, but that they counted like childhood deaths because it was very right, common yeah, for yeah. infants to die. And that like brings down the average a lot more than it would be. So it wouldn't be as low as they say, but it wouldn't be as high as quite as high as right, now, time nowadays. Still. Yeah. yeah. House Beesbury of Honeyholt, a minor house from the reach. <laughs> Bees and honey. <laughs> That's hilarious. And uh, he's like, I will not believe that he said this on his deathbed alone with only the, and he kind of pauses, the boy's mother as a witness. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, she's the queen, but categorizing her here as the boy's mother emphasizes her personal stake in the situation and how she may be liable to manipulate. It definitely does. And, but it also, he doesn't call her queen because her powers as queen were derived from being married to Viserys as king. Now Viserys is dead, so I guess she would be our UK listeners regent? can correct our our queen. Well, regent oh, means know. like she's ruling instead of the child. Like there was a Baratheon, some uh, some Baratheons, you know, back in history uh, that were queen regent and hand who was acting as regent also, or something like that. But so I think Queen Regent is when there's a kid that's king that hasn't come of age yet. But like Dowager Queen, now that now that her husband is dead, I think that might be it. So anyway, um, he doesn't call her anything. He just calls her the boy's mother as the only witness. So that was pretty nice. Kind of a little bit of a low key zing. Yeah. Queen Allison. <laughs> um, this is seizure. It is theft. It is treason. The T word. He said it. <laughs> And that's, I mean, that's like Bayman, you know, finally saying last week, our children are bastards and she's a whore. Uh, I was like, all right, that's it. That's the end of the line. She puts the whore in horny. She's, (laughs) you know, she's on her sixth kid at this point, right? Oh, um, does he say at the least it is, he was about to say something else. Oh yeah. And before he's cut off by uh, somebody. The, or, uh, the grand maester Orwell thinks, mind your tongue, Lyman. Uh, and right at this moment, Sir Kristen slinks over behind Beesbury. And I was like, yeah. oh, God, he's moving into the kill position. 
Yeah, uh, the king was well all uh, last night by all accounts because he'd had the dinner and was you know the first part of the dinner he stood up and gave a you know rousing speech about you know making peace with with the family and everything. Yeah. So, um, Beesbury is saying, you know, he was well last night by all accounts. Which of you can swear that he died by his own accord? Ooh, which of us are you accusing of regicide, Lord Beesbury? <laughs> oh man, it's you know whether it was one of you or all of you, I care not. And it's like, so he's literally, he doesn't care if it's one of them or all of them. Somebody here has killed the king in his mind, or at least potentially. So he's just throwing down the gauntlet. Yeah. I will have no part. And then boom. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> says, sit down. Was it Kristen? I think it's Kristen. Or? He like, he shoves him and says, sit down at the same time. And I think uh, like he may have just, I think he was really just trying to get him to sit down. You know, and, and, but he like, oh, fell and boom. Yeah. One time, the first time I thought, I was like, his, I think his hands were on his shoulders and he was just trying to get him to sit down. Yeah. But then somehow Cole's hand also smashed his head into the ball. I was like, well, that was overkill. (laughs) Brained by a stone sphere. (laughs) That's crazy. Um, Christian Cole brains Beesberry here in in the show, but in the books, a mushrooms account is that Cole tosses Beesberry out of a window in the red key right. to his death. Dude. <laughs> Pretty crazy. That would have been cool. I think there's a couple uh, theories of, in according to the maester that wrote the book. Yeah. Uh, according to Mushroom, he gets defenestrated, tossed out the window. And according <laughs> to another source, he gets his throat slit. So I like how mm. history is kind of unclear about the things that happen. Yeah. Like from the layman's perspective, you know, it it would seem that Alicent was spearheading this whole operation, but in in the in this show, it's clear that she was kind of a pawn. And uh, you know, you know, if you have, you'd have to be really on the inside of everything to know that Alicent wasn't involved to the extent that she is. You know, definitely. I didn't think. You know, we they kept in the beginning, the first couple episodes, they kept focusing on those little spheres of the small council. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what's the deal with this? What are we going to do? And they roll this one. And we do get a cool shot, almost like uh, a pool or billiards table. They roll Lannister, his ball kind of down the length of the oh, table. Oh, I missed that. Grabbed, Damn. Yeah, yeah. At the, at the very beginning of the scene, at the of the small council scene, the camera is like sitting on the table and the, the uh, little master of ships, you know, his ball. And rolls down toward him and he grabs it and he takes it and goes clunk and puts it in his little disc or whatever. And I think that's right. As he says, oh, what couldn't wait an hour? I was been sleeping or whatever. <laughs> he hadn't and, finished his coffee. Yeah, it was interesting because Otto went over a couple things before placing the ball into the into the holder. You know, like he detailed yeah, yeah, how yeah. the king was dead and they talked he was about the plot. In his hand. And then boom, he puts it in. Yeah, he, yeah, the hand was kind of ro- fidgeting with his when he said, the king is dead. Mm. Um, and then it was a few more lines back and forth with him and Lannister uh, before he s- came over and set his ball into his disc and sat down. So um, Lyman's last words were, ah! <laughs> and immediately upon this, Sir Harold unsheathes his steel and starts calmly walking around the table towards... Sir Kristen. And I was like, oh my God, dude, Sir Harold is not having it. He, the whole time he's been kind of looking around the room, like what the hell is going on here? This is crazy. And, uh, he's, he's in a dangerous situation. I kept yelling, get out of there, Harold, get out of there. (laughs) Run. Yeah. Fly, you fool. Fly, you fool. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. And he tells Kristen, you know, Allison to kind of is like, Sir Kristen, you know, like she reacts in horror sort of to him murdering Beesbury. And Harold is telling him, throw down your sword and remove your cloak, Sir Kristen. Like you're done as a Kingsguard. This is at least the second straight murder that you've committed. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's not, a, it's not an honorable or, or acceptable for the Kingsguard. And, uh, Dude, he he draws his own sword, Kristen. He whoom, pulls it out and in one smooth motion, just whoop, right to its position. No no wavering or anything. It's like he has perfect control over the blade and just whoom, puts it right up to point to, to Harold's neck. And he's like, I will not suffer insults to her grace, the queen. And I thought for sure they were about to duel at this. <laughs> this scene yeah. is so crazy, dude. So Yeah, I, I couldn't remember anything specifically from the books here where Kingsguard, you know, came to swords, but it, it definitely seemed like it. Apparently, Sir Harold is, is long dead at this point in the books. Yeah, that's right. I did hear that somewhere today or, or last night in Alt-Shift-X. Yeah, I think they mentioned it on Alt-Shift-X. So, yeah. but I mean, they, they cast Graham McTavish, so they yeah, had to right. give him some more stuff to do. Love so, that dude. Yeah, He's so good. He's really cool. And, you know, I love his character now even more. Um, because remember, at, I mean, one of the very first scenes of the show, maybe the very first scene it's is him and coming over the clouds and then she lands at the dragon pit and it's him and Rhaenyra, you know, and he's talking about how you know, it's good that she's back and safe. Otherwise they have his head or something yeah, like that. He has a special sort of little bond. He has yeah. a lot of history with Rhaenyra. Not the kind of history that Cole and Rainier have. <laughs> that we know of. I mean, she does yeah. put the whore in horny. <laughs> the hoe in horny, you could say. Um, and Allison is sort of like, she's almost like wringing her old neck. She's just so, like, she used to, like, pick at her fingernails. And she seems like she's, like, wants to just Homer Simpson herself back into her chair. You know, Homer Simpson into the bushes. <laughs> just like, she's just like, oh. Oh, 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 she's done that a couple times too. When uh, when she found out that yep. uh, Laris murdered his own family, she did that thing where she grabbed her <laughs> yeah, neck like, as well. Oh, like she realizes that the situation is strangling her, and it's like she's like subconsciously does it to herself. It's pretty yeah. crazy. And she tells Sir Kristen, you know, there was no insult. Put aside <laughs> your blade, but she doesn't tell him to remove his cloak. So she effectively overrules Westerling in this moment. Yeah. And he immediately puts his sword away. Usually there's like, they still like, they hold it there for a few seconds and like reluctantly like, okay. And right. they put this, but he like immediately she's, you know, she called off her attack dog and like a toy like, soldier, oh. just his arm lowers. And Westerling still had his, 
you know, on him. And then he, you know, removed his sword too a moment later. Crazy dude. Um, somebody says, has it come to this? Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was Westerling. He's like, has it come to this? Looking back and forth across the room, like this is madness. <laughs> you know, this is madness. Exactly. <laughs> this is madness. Um, or a while tries to get him to remove uh, Beesbury's body, but Otto is like super hardcore. No, the door remains shut until we finish our business. And Reese Ifans really brings like a dark tone for this line. Yeah, absolutely. No, the door remains shut until we finish our business. And Orwell is kind of looking around like, oh, my God, like, I think I'm over my head here. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to speak up like Beesbury, dude. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, they'll brain me, too, and leave me sitting here bleeding out while they finish their business. Yeah. Um, I think it's Lannister who says Storm's End is yep. of concern. Thailand. So it's interesting to know that the Baratheons are potentially Team Black. Or, you know, he says if, if they get a good marriage proposal, maybe that could sway them so maybe they're in the wind they're you know nobody knows who would who who they would be allied with yeah pretty crazy and allison at this point is like running her hands through her hair like oh my god you know like she puts her head forward and (laughs) uh, she looks really overwhelmed but then she immediately changes the subject what of rhaenyra like this is the major wild card problem here wild card bitches um, I think is Otto here that says the former heir cannot. Yeah. Or is it? Yeah, it's I'm Otto. Trying to remember. <clears throat> the former heir cannot. Nobody else would have the balls to say that, right? Yeah. The former heir cannot, of course, be allowed to remain free and draw support to her claim. Dude. And Allison, Allison gives them the benefit of the doubt and says, oh, oh, you, you mean to imprison her? <laughs> she, you know, she comes to a darker realization, you know, in a few lines. And Harold is looking around like, you got to be kidding me. Are we really, are y'all really talking about this? Otto says, uh, she and her family will be given the opportunity to publicly you know, swear obeisance to, to the new king. And Allison knows, you know, she'll never bend the knee. And neither will Damon. You plan to kill them. <laughs> <laughs> so like, Otto sort of explains his way out of, oh, they'll be given a chance to, to bend the knee. But it's like... Y'all, you know they're never going to do that. So, and then, you know, Allison realizes the end goal, the end result, you know. Yeah, and then she looks around the room and says, you and all here accede to this. Accede. I thought that was a cool word. Mm A-C-C-E-D-E. Meaning like agree, I guess. Um, Right. And um, Harold is legit like, what the fuck at this point? Like, he's just looking horrified by all of this. And... Orwell is maybe he is in on it, like you said, because he's agreeing with with Otto saying your father is correct. Your grace, a living challenger invites battle and bloodshed. Yeah, I mean, it does. And he may be thinking of as oh, he's not choosing sides. He's just stating the facts that leaving a challenger alive is just an invitation to war and bloodshed. Yeah, so it's. I mean, it is true. I mean, what do you say? He's not telling no, uh, no lies were told, but it's, it seems like he's, you know, if he's not in on it, he's just, you know, he's playing the not going to get turned into Beesbury card. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Otto says it is unsavory. Like, yes. <laughs> just a tiny bit. It's a tiny bit unsavory. Just a tiny but, you bit. Know, here, here we get, you know, the age old line, you know, sacrifice the few for the good of the many. Right. Um, we must make a sacrifice to uh, 
secure Aegon's succession. Like, who is it? In some movie says, why? oh, is it Tywin, right? Is it not better to kill a dozen people at dinner than thousands on a battlefield? Yeah, at war. And I mean, I mean, he has a point, you know, from a pragmatic standpoint, but, you know, the rules of war and the customs of the day, as far as, you know, dinner, uh, guest right and that sort of thing, it's, but, you know, it, it's pretty crazy. Uh, and then there's Damon to consider. So it's like, they, so it's like they're, they're thinking of Rhaenyra and her claim, but, the, but also there's this total wild card. Uh, wild card. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's going in There's there. Damon to consider. Uh, the king wouldn't wish for any unsavory. But the king would not wish for the murder of his daughter. He loved her. I will not have you deny this. <laughs> and it's it's Iron Rod, right? Who says, yeah, yeah. and yet. And she's like, one more word and I'll have you removed from this chamber and sent to the wall. Man, she's had enough from old Iron Rod. Cool mention of the wall. So I guess they were sending scoundrels there at this point still. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Um, it <laughs> seems like when when Jaehaerys and Alicent visit the wall, that that's one of the things that they said that they they need even more people than the crown and the other lords are sending them. Right. At first, it was considered like an honorable job, right, where they sent good men to the wall. And then after a while, and people were forgetting about the threat of the White Walkers. It sort of nobody wanted to go anymore, so they started having to send criminals and and people like that, right? Think yeah, I can't like that. remember at the beginning um, because the wall pre-existed Aegon. Yeah, uh, and oh, his well, conquest. a long time. Um, so yeah, way, way, way back into to the deep history. I can't really remember if if, mm-hmm. if it was more if it was thought of as more of an honorable thing or a second son's. I mean, Benjen, you know, is I mean, he's an honorable second son. Yeah, that does that's a little different with the Starks. Chooses to serve. Yeah, the Starks yeah. do. They have like this family lineage and duty and tradition of of serving him yeah um so yeah after allison you know puts iron rod in his place everybody like, all the conspirators kind of trade looks yeah like, like oh shit what are we gonna do with the queen yeah if she won't get down with this plan yeah she is a problem here <laughs> and then uh tylen you know it plays a pretty a pretty good card it's like you know okay what what would what do you want to do queen allison what do you suggest and like she she's kind of at a loss for words and Otto puts on the pressure time is of the essence yeah he just does it he just gives the command and he this is like forgetting like oh they'll have a chance to swear obeisance no they won't he says lord commander westerling take your knights to dragonstone be quick and be clean in other words kill them and be done with it so he's not even giving them a chance to swear obeisance yeah that was just he was just jumping through that hoop for allison to get to the logical conclusion of what must be done, you know, for the good of the realm. Um, So yeah, he, so he, he commands the Lord commander of the King's guard to go and splinter cell Daenerys and her family. (laughs) Sneak in the castle and murk them. Isolate, simplify, complete. We're on the same page. Affirmative. Murk them. And just immediately, it's not like he sits and thinks about it. Uh, he just he gets that command from Otto and Sir Harold just reaches back and just rips off his white cloak, just folds. Not even we fold it up. He just rolls it up, sets it on the table. Yeah. Interesting how you don't how that's like clipped on or something. Velcro. They must have Westerosi Velcro because you can just kind of right. pull it off and you sort of like you know, wearing a neck, a real necktie. You know, if you get into a fisticuffs, wearing a real necktie. Oh, that's a that's problem. Bad. That's real bad. Real so bad. So if you wear a, if you're a clip on and somebody grabs your tie, 
so so I would think the same thing. You wouldn't want a cape like for somebody to grab you and yank you, you know, in a tactical situation. True. Good point. Very good point. And he's just like, eh, eh, you know, rips off the cape like you're saying. I am Lord Commander of the King's Guard, and I recognize no authority but the king's. So he's like, if there's no king, I'm not listening to any of you fucks. You know, you people are all insane, and I'm getting the hell out of here, basically. And he leaves his cape on the table and books it. Not, I mean, I, I was saying, run, run before Sir Kristen comes for you. Yeah, exactly. Because they're, and I thought Otto might, might do something like that because he wants to control the flow of information. Anybody who leaves the room is, you know, uh, uh, a wagging tongue. Yeah. Potentially. And they just said no one leaves doors. Those doors stay stay closed until we're done yet. Nobody tries to stop Westerling. But I mean, I guess assuming this is the Lord commander of the King's guard for us to stop him is we're literally going to have to kill him. So I guess, you know, Otto and company, you know, make a, strategic decision in the moment that's like okay we're we're gonna do more harm than good if we kill harold westerling right here yeah, all they have is sir Kristen, right and it i mean that's a 1v1 i mean Kristen has the age but westerling you know has the years of experience you know if not not the combat experience but uh, i mean so this even then if they face off Kristen versus westerling you know 50 50 split maybe you know 55 45 who you fate, you know, I'm not taking betting odds on that fight. So, <laughs> Yeah, crazy. I'm like, oh my God, at this point, I was like, woo, this is getting bonkers. He has no place here and he leaves and exits. And it's right at this moment that a new version of the, the song, The Light of the Seven, begins to play. And at first it's piano. It is our fate, I think, to crave always what is given to another. Mirroring the piano that was playing mm-hmm. when Cersei was getting dressed and Tommen was getting prepared before the sept explodes. Yep. Later on, and this music continues throughout the next scene or two, and it starts with the piano, and then it starts, it brings in the strings, the theme of uh, that was playing as Alicent was walking down the aisle at Rhaenyra's wedding in her green dress. And so they're sort of, at this point, straight up, because they only hinted at the Light of the Seven in that original scene as Alicent was walking down the aisle in the green dress, but now they're straight up using Light of the Seven. It is our fate, I think, to crave always what is given to another. Just in a slightly yeah. altered form. And then they mix in Alicent's theme and it's like these two are the same. So they're really, really making um, Alicent like Cersei in terms of the music. That's what the music is telling us, that these characters are like parallel characters. Yeah, it definitely seems like they're playing on that. The, the chords or the notes from mm-hmm. the original Light of the Seven song. Right. And then that just the sound of that, because the piano was not used in Game of Thrones until Light of the Seven. It was all strings and horns and woodwinds and whatever else there is in music. Um, Kazoos. Yeah. 
uh, recorder. Uh, <laughs> but piano, that was the first time Ramin Jawadi ever used piano in Game of Thrones. So, so now we're, you know, the experienced audience, like we correlate that piano and that sound to like, oh, oh no, yeah. oh no, Uh-oh. oh no, what's going to happen? <laughs> uh, so yeah, we like, we've been conditioned like Pavlov's dogs. That's to, a like, great we point. We do the piano it's like, oh no, Danger hold on to your seat. <laughs> yeah. Danger, danger, Will Robinson. And then uh, they released on Water Tower Music, uh, they released two uh, songs that were in the show last night. One's called Lament and one's called Fate of the Kingdoms. And oh, wow. uh, they're both, they're both pretty, you can find them on YouTube and I guess they're on Spotify. But so nice. you hit a song on Spotify and it plays songs like that song, which is going to be the whole Game of Thrones back catalog of yeah, yeah. <laughs> music, of Ramin Jawadi's music on Spotify. So if I, I just go to YouTube and click on a specific song, and you can listen to it, but they've only released four songs through the for, so far from the season. Oh, interesting. Um, I think they released one last week or two weeks ago. And then two from this episode. Yeah. Two this episode and then one from the first episode. So yeah. or the second, I think it's a song that was playing during Rhaenyra's, you know, coronet, not coronation, but her announcement as air at the end of episode one. So yeah, the music was really good at the very beginning. It was a more like melancholy, uh, tone you know to the song yeah, piano lots of piano direct and this mirror song of slide of the seven at that point same notes very very good stuff yeah so then it cuts to helena's chamber as the uh as allison derives and before that helena is sitting there with like a handmaiden and she's talking she says something that's interesting considering everything that's going on it is our fate i think to crave always what is given to another if one possesses a thing the other will take it away and so this is mirroring a couple situations it's mirroring the alicent and rhaenyra situation and it's also mirroring the aemond and aegon situation as we see mm-hmm. later on because Aegon is given the, the throne and the, the the airship, but Aemond wants it. And he, you know, for all we know, he's going to try to take it away <laughs> at some point. And it also mirrors the hunt for Aegon situation. Otto wants Aegon and sends Eric and Eric to go find him. But Alicent takes him away. And uh, so Alicent busts in and she's asking about where Aegon is. And at this point, I was thinking it was the little kid. Like maybe their kid's name was Aegon. But no, she's referring to the Aegon, the now full-grown, man-grown <laughs> um, prince, her son, Alicent's son, Aegon. And uh, he's not there. He's not in his rooms. He got wind of the situation and he dipped. He fled from the from the castle off into the shadows. And uh, we see the the kids, the twins at this point. And I heard something about them having six fingers and toes, but I did notice that one child's hand opened and it was five fingers. So oh, nice. we'll see if they, you know, incorporate that little book detail eventually, whether this was just an error or whether they're not going to bother with that. And uh, so it's all chaotic and the handmaiden leaves and Allison sits down next to Helena and she starts talking with her, you know, uh, I think Helena says, father, like she knows what's going on. 
And Alicent says, uh, your, you know, your father and Helena cuts her off. There is a beast beneath the boards, more urgent this time. And mm-hmm. Alicent is like, oh, my dearest love, and reaches out to comfort her. But Helena swipes her hand away. Yeah, <laughs> Helena's like, don't get in my personal bubble. Yeah, interesting, interesting stuff. And uh, it's at this point where Amond shows up, having figured out what's going on to some extent, and just kind of stands there mm-hmm. in the doorway, ominously. Silent, all Damon-like. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, next, it cuts to Otto. You want to talk about this part? Yeah, uh, we, we, the camera is on uh, a sword, and we don't know who it is yet. And he's, it looks like he just has a rag. I was expecting to have a whetstone or something to be kind of filing it or sharpening it, but I guess he's just wiping, wiping the blood off of it from whoever he killed. <laughs> no. uh, and it's Sir Eric with an E. And I'm going to try to say e- Eric with an E and Arak, almost like the Dothraki. Arak. Arak. A-R-A-K-H. But there's Eric and Arak, um, <laughs> who uh, is obviously on duty. And he puts the sword away. Where's the prince? And then he says that, Forgive me, Lord Hand, I do not know. And then we find out that Eric with an E is the the sworn protector of Prince Aegon. Yeah. Um, so he knows of all of his knightly deeds. Right. And, and but, you know, he's supposed to know where he's at all the time, you know, at least when he's on duty. Right. Um, but, you know, he's Eric just, you know, tells the hand straight up, you know, he exploits his authority over me and then evades me. So he's just tell he's just like. I order you to turn around and walk a thousand paces. It's like <laughs> you're the, the, the prince is ter- telling you to be derelict, you know, in your duty. But it's like, if you disobey the prince, then, you know, he'll probably turn into Joffrey, you know, Oh, remove his white cloak and send him to the wall. He won't obey the prince. Yeah. So it's like, man, this is a terrible situation to be in for a prince that doesn't want to be protected or looked after or have anybody following him. But, Everybody else is expecting you as the King's Guard and his sworn protector to keep tabs on him 24-7. So, you know, pretty crappy duty to be like, give me Viserys. Give me, I'll watch the old man <laughs> lying in bed and I'll protect him. He's not going anywhere. Yeah, pretty but brutal. protecting these young princelings is, you know, pretty terrible duty. Yeah, so he instructs him to, uh, to go and find him, to take no one else but his brother and to remove their white cloaks so nobody knows who they are or what they seek, including the queen. And that's kind of a telling thing. Yeah, this is like top secret uh, SCI, you know, super, super secret uh, <laughs> mission from the hand. Not even the queen should know. SCI, secure compartmentalized information. Is that what that means? Yep. Nice. Mm-hmm. Or sent top secret it's something compartmented information, either secure or secret. Anyway, top secret, sensitive compartmented information. Oh, there you go, sensitive. Yeah, 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 yeah. Something like that. So, so he's like, yeah, he's like, my lord, I will. And dips. Bring him to me and me alone, Sir Eric. Yeah, yeah. So don't bring him back to the Red Keep and just dump him in the courtyard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And bring don't bring straight. him to the queen. Yeah, bring him straight to the hand. Um. Oh, and this, um, they start rounding people up. Uh, Talia, the servant girl, gets uh, thrown into jail. I don't know, I guess they're the black cells because there's torches. There's torches and stuff to where they could at least see their cellmates. Um, yeah, they're probably not the black cells. <laughs> 
you know, and just uh, some kind of holding cells, though. The uh, I would just uh, I wrote uh, straight to jail, right to jail, right away. <laughs> uh, everybody, right to jail, right away. Everybody who possibly knows, round them up. Yep, throw them in the jail. All the servants, they're trying to compartmentalize the information as quickly as possible. They lock Rainey's in her chamber. She wakes up and she's like, what is the meaning of this? As she hears her door lock and she's trying to open the door and she goes oh, down. Yeah, this is where we see Rainey's too. Okay. Yeah yeah. 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 And she looks, she goes to the window and looks out of the window and we see, we see all the servants being funneled down towards the holding cells. <laughs> and she's like, what the hell? What is going on? Yeah. And Laris is watching as usual. And then this is when Kristen arrives back to Alicent and Amond to give her an update. And so this is interesting. Uh, he says, you know, Prince Egon's not to be found within the wall, castle walls, your grace. Your father has sent Sir Eric into the city to find him. But how does Kristen know this? Otto did it in secret and told Eric not to let anybody know. No, you know, no one can know who you are or what you seek, including the queen. But Kristen knows this immediately. How? That's what I... Right. Yeah. That's, you know, a tiny plot hole, I think. You know, unless he's like... He sees them changing clothes in the Kingsguard uh, locker room. It's like, hey, hey, <laughs> yeah, hey guys, what's up? Oh, yeah, we're oh, just going nothing. to the city. We're just going to the city on a super secret mission for the hand. <laughs> we're just going to get some ice cream. <laughs> where are you going? Just leaving. But where? I have to return some videotapes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that could be. Maybe just kind of puts two and two together. Yeah, maybe, you know, maybe just, you know, they searched everywhere else and Eric and Eric, Eric and Eric are nowhere to be found. So they must be out on a mission. And he may think, okay, Westerling's gone, presumably, you know, not in King's Landing anymore or not in the Red Keep anyway. Um, we know the guy, who is the guy who announced Daenerys? I'm not it sure. Darklin, Stefan or Stefan Darklin? Oh, yeah, Stefan Darklin. He's the only other known Kingsguard beside the two Cargill, Cargill or Cargill, C A R Cargill, but who knows? That's the last name of the twins. So we know them two Westerling, Kristen Cole, and Stefan Darkling. And there's two other Kingsguard knights that are unknown to us at this time. But maybe he just realizes that. If Otto were to send somebody on a secret mission, who would he send? Oh, probably the twins. So maybe Damon, not Damon, maybe Cole, you know, figured that out through deductive reasoning. But yeah, I would possible. assume he's smart. <laughs> <laughs> and he is Sir Kristen, after all. <laughs> um, so interesting yeah. interaction here between Allison and Sir Kristen. Where, yeah, uh, it seems like there's something something more there. Um they talk about how Eric has the advantage because he knows Aegon so well. Yep, being um, his personal protector. Allison kind of pulls Kristen close and says, I trust you and your loyalty. Uh, Aegon must be found and brought to me. So Otto's got his goons looking for him. Allison, you know, now has her goon and then gets <laughs> Aemond. Uh, so she has two goons out looking for him. <laughs> and uh, the very fate of the Seven Kingdoms depends on it. Yeah. Because she, in her mind, if she can keep Rhaenyra from being murdered, she can prevent civil war. Yeah. Well, but, so what do you think this is all about? Um, so if she gets Aegon, she can initiate more diplomatic resolution to the situation, whereas if Otto gets Aegon, he can sort of tell him, we need to order a strike immediately type situation. Yeah, I think so. So basically, as he's taking the throne... Who, who is whispering in his ear beforehand? 
Because once he's installed as the king, I mean, they're both going to have access. The hand is going to be able to whisper his advice to him. The queen is going to be able to whisper her advice to him. Like whoever, you know, whoever gets to it first gets, you know, early bird gets the worm. Yeah. You know, whoever gets to Aegon first kind of gets to potentially direct him on the path of kill Rhaenyra and Daemon or keep them alive and send them terms to come and, you know, swear obeisance and fealty. Um, so Sir Matthew of House Rep, our friend, remember he had a different suggestion for what Otto's intention may be with Aegon. Oh yeah, he was thinking that maybe maybe Otto was gonna kill Aegon to uh install Aemon. So that that would be pretty wild, but I mean it's definitely a possibility. Yeah, because he knows Aegon is a fucking fuckstick. But as it turns out, they're you know Eric and Eric's plans get intervened and we never get to see because and the, the 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 key to that is what Eric or Eric tells Aegon. Right. The hand will meet you outside the city walls. Yeah, where well, there's the like seven. Wall. Yeah, oh, they I mean say King's Landing is walls. huge. They say city walls. I was thinking castle walls. That way he can get him back in there secretly and not have Allison know that Otto has Aegon. Maybe that's what he meant, but, like the walls from the castle to the city. But outside the city walls would mean outside of King's Landing, down by uh the Blackwater Rush or whatever, you know. Maybe like the, the secret you know, pathway back into the castle. But that, I mean, yeah, I don't know. But, but they said outside the city walls, not right. the castle walls or the Red Keep walls. Yeah, interesting. So, maybe a script error. Maybe. Um, but I was like, if Otto wanted to kill him, he would probably have him brought somewhere outside the city walls. <laughs> yeah, that would make sense. So it's not called it's not causation, but it's correlation. I don't know. For sure. For so, sure. You know, who knows? But, you know, at the end, we see him end up Aegon being installed on the throne. Yep. Allison ended up. In, but it's this next line from Allison yeah. to Kristen. That's really interesting. Yeah. She says, everything you feel for me, pause as your queen. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Everything you feel for me that she said that the way she said it for a reason. Yeah. So and I'm not saying they're definitely, you know, hooking up, but it seems like she's trying to tap into something deeper in Cole to basically motivate him that much more to we have to be successful in this mission. I was thinking maybe also hinting at some kind of romantic reward if he completes it, you know. Everything you oh, feel for okay. me, I'll reciprocate if you complete this mission. You know, <laughs> <laughs> type, type thing. Which you know, we know she reciprocates for Laris. <laughs> so we'll talk about it a little later on. <laughs> oh, uh, and we, I don't think we see Amond as the scene starts. They're sitting together, so he, uh, like off in the side of the room, and Alicent gets Cole. up to speak to Kristen. So Amond's okay. off in the background. But it's, so he was he was kind of surprised to me in the scene um, when he says, I'll come with you. It's like this is the classic. Oh, I'm coming with. Uh, uh, and she tries to shut him down. But um, she says, Cole, Cole needs me. Uh, Sir Eric isn't the only one who knows Aegon's doings. Yeah. So um, he's brought him along on his nights of debauchery. <laughs> exactly. The little brother has some inside scoop on Aegon. Crazy. So then it cuts to Amond and Kristen searching King's Landing. 
and Aegon is talking or Aemond is talking about how Aegon has brought him to the street of silk and specifically on his 13th name day. And uh, here's a really funny line here about how it was how it was Aegon's duty as his older brother, he said, to ensure that he was as educated as he was in the arts of the <laughs> the of pleasure, basically. And he says, uh, at least mm. that's what I understood him to mean. <laughs> when in reality, all he said was time to get it wet. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he says that, and then Kristen tries to be all holy, you know, and says, every woman, an image of the mother, to be spoken of with reverence. It's like, we just heard you, you know, use the C word on Rhaenyra, like, two episodes ago, so chill out. Exactly. So... Just like Rhaenyra had said that Alicent is hiding behind a cloak of righteousness, Sir Kristen seems to be hiding behind one as well. I mean, Kristen and, and Eamon have a pretty, probably a pretty deep relationship. I mean, they're in the yard training all the time. Yeah, so true. you would think they have had some manly, you know, banter, some locker room talk uh, that obviously Eamon knows that Cole is not you know, this holier than thou Kingsguard. I mean, he does say later, you're a good man with no taste for depravity, but that's different than not ever even speaking, you know, crudely about, you know, women. Come on. Right. Yeah. All the coaches participate in the locker room talk with the, uh, you know, with the, with the players, like yeah, bonding with their, their players for sure. So uh, they, they go up to the door of the pleasure house and Sir Kristen is doing the talking as Aemond is lurking under his hood, just like just like Damon, you know, with the hood, except less uh, less pulled down over his face. And Kristen's talking about how they misplaced their drinking companion sometime last <laughs> night, and uh, he's he's visited this whorehouse before, so we thought maybe he might be here. And after she asks for description, he says, well, it's delicate, you know, and whispers, we're seeking the Prince Aegon. And since the discretion is your part of your trade here, we're hoping you'll be discreet about this. Mm-hmm. And she kind of laughs, tells him that the prince isn't there and that it's, he hasn't been there in years. And she glances knowingly at Aemond at this point, like, I recognize mm-hmm. you. I know who you are, Mr. One-Eye. He was here with you last time, so I know you guys are telling the truth and that you're really looking for the prince because that's the same guy that was here with him. And um, so she says that he doesn't frequent the street of silk anymore, but his tastes are known to be less discriminating. But she she doesn't tell them what it is that he does because Kristen mm. asks like oh well where where might he be meaning what less discriminating what does that mean and she just wishes him luck and wishes her best to his friend Aemond who's standing there and this is a kind of a cool part Kristen walks away leaving Aemond standing there and she turns and smiles at him <laughs> and she says how you've grown and there's just the faintest flicker of a smile from Aemond how you've grown He's looking sullen, but barely flicks his, uh, the, the corner of his mouth just raises ever so slightly before returning to its position, of his neutral position, and he's just kind of, hmm, and walks away. That's like his go-to line is, hmm. <laughs> yeah, he must, he must be a fan of The Witcher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or of Chuck. John Casey just <clears throat> grunting. <laughs> nice. Also, yeah, The Witcher, he's got the looks, too. Yeah, Definitely. 
Um, and we get this cool shot, the back of the iron throne and you see several like intact swords with the cross guard and everything. Yeah. Just, I mean, they're still, they're attached to the throne, but it's like they're, some that are facing the opposite direction. Yeah. Some of them aren't quite like melted all the way, you know, pressed into the back of the the chair. Mm -hmm. Uh, but then I can't remember if it zooms up over the throne or kind of around and over to the side. I think around Um, to the side, I think. And we see that uh, we hear Otto say, you know, that Viserys had, had changed his mind. Um, he has all the lords of the court gathered, you know, every, yeah. all the lords that are already at the court, at the castle. Right. He's gathered to the throne room. Yeah. Some people are like, how did they gather this, you know, lords and all this stuff, uh, you know, from even the close places like Duskendale and Maidenpool. And yeah, there's no um, time for that. Yeah, this, I mean, this has happened. This is probably like 8 or 9 a.m. that morning. Yeah, King's Landing in this case is like a hub of activity where people come from all around the realm, the sending Constant. representatives from their houses to try to enforce in their political uh, ambitions and influence the doings of the king and the, and the queen. Yeah. So everybody has like an emissary that's stationed at King's Landing effectively. A yeah, lot of people I mean, the, iron, the iron Bank of Bravos, they were probably in and out. Traders from, you know, uh, Marine and Astapor and Lease and Mir and all these different places, you know, mm-hmm. people constantly in and out of the city and of the, the royal palace, you know, re- wishing to treat, you know, with the king, you know, or, or the hand or, you know, somebody, you know, master of coin, master of laws, master of ships, you know, to talk to them about business or what have you. So they just gathered up whoever was was there in the Red Keep already and basically put them to the question. Um, yeah. So, so Caswell is there. We've seen him. He's a frequent of the, of the King's land of the red keep. He's been chilling there for years. You know, every time, uh, uh, when, when Rhaenyra gave birth, he greeted her on the stairway. So he was there six years before this and he's still chilling. He gets out of, when they get out of the, uh, the, the horsela <laughs> and their Daenyra is introduced by Darklin, the, Kingsguard. The next person mm-hmm. they talk to is is Sir is a Caswell. Caswell who who's not looking happy because the king is not well. And uh, yeah, they um, Otto's trying to you know explain the coup. Um, uh, he changed his mind. He admitted his wishes. It's as simple as that. Uh, and now he he's forcing them to be oathbreakers. Uh, you must now, as you once swore your banners to Rhaenyra, now you must pledge them to the future king. And I still haven't been able to figure out who this first Lord is, you know, who doesn't immediately bend the knee. I must confer with my house on this matter. He turns and starts to walk away. Then we realize how serious Otto is. So Otto wouldn't let them remove uh, Beesbury's body. Uh, The door remains shut until we finish our business. And here uh, you will not leave this room without declaring your intention. Terrifying. He kind of slinks down the the steps of the throne to it, approaches him. Uh, yeah, he, he gets says closer it. and closer to him, you know, just increasing the pressure to bend the knee, say yes. You know, it's, they know that it's say yes and bend the knee or go to straight to jail right away. Right to jail, right away. Straight to jail. Or, yeah. or they may be even killed on the spot. I mean, who knows? But this lady, I think, said that the house fell, who says, I am no oath breaker. I'm pretty sure I remember the lady saying, I am no oath breaker. And then maybe somebody else says, I will not bend the knee. It may be her. Um no, it's 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 the guy because he turns back okay. away for, as he's about to leave. He turns back towards Otto, 
and uh, he, Otto basically is calling his bluff. Like, you're not trying to just leave the room to confer. You're trying to get out of here because you're not going to follow through with conferring at all. You're just trying to, you know, rally your your people, basically. And he's like, I'm no oath breaker. I will not bend the knee. And I'm like, good for him. He has balls. It might made me think of Team America. I like you. You have balls. I like balls. <laughs> and so I was like, yeah, good for him. And then Otto looks around. Anyone else? And that's where yeah, the yeah, woman okay. steps that's up. That's right. Mm-hmm. And she's from House Fell. Um, House Fell keeps its sworn oath to the princess. And I, yeah. I don't think in the books or the previous show, I don't think I've ever heard mention of House Fell. Yeah, neither have I. Cool house name. I, 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 I can't recall it at all. So a new house has been introduced. Badass move. That's some that's some big ovary energons right there. You know, good good for her. She doesn't doesn't back down, doesn't doesn't hesitate. She just straight up tells it like it is, like, we are keeping our oath. And yeah, so then at uh, this point, I think Caswell is still standing. Yeah. Um, and Otto, yeah, he is. Otto says very well, and the the man and the lady fell are escorted away, you know, straight to jail. Right away. And <laughs> if, if Caswell is still standing here, why don't they escort him away too? He hasn't vocalized specifically that he's, he's that not he's, falling in line yet. It seems but like he hasn't bent the knee yet, but then he quickly does. Yeah. And, but he's, I mean, we know him and we know that he's, you know, at least sympathetic to Rhaenyra if he doesn't outright support her claim. But as he kneels, you know, just, and it's just with camera work and the act, the actor, like we know that he's bending the knee, but he's not really bending the knee. He's doing it to, you know, survive, you know, and play, you know, play. Another, what is it? Survive another. There's another phrase. You need to play we'll another, another day. We live a pie another day. We live a pie another day. Yes. Well, in there. <laughs> yeah, something. Live to fight another day or something. Yeah. So, <laughs> so he bends the knee, but obviously, you know, tries to jet out of town here pretty quickly. Yeah. And Laris is lurking and watching from above, and he notices that Caswell is feigning bending the knee. I think he's like, hmm, he seems hesitant. Yeah. I'm going to keep my eye on him. I guess, yeah, I guess he just clocks Caswell's hesitancy to immediately bend the knee like everybody else did pretty much. Yep. Um, and it's like, mm, maybe he's one we need to keep our eyes on definitely so what do you think you think these these people that are taken away by the two kingsguard house fells representative the woman and the other man whose name we don't know you think they're just being disappeared or what or you think they're being held captive to try to leverage their houses into compliance yeah um probably i mean the way they did things you know in this universe a good bit i think was you know basically yeah try to hold you know get a captive or something like a ward yeah force them force the rest of their family to, you know, come to the negotiation table and okay. Um, the whole family come to King's landing, bend the knee, swear fealty to, to the new King and we'll release, you know, lady fail, mm-hmm. you know, Lord, whoever it is. So that's most likely, I think what they're doing. I mean, if they want to be totally vicious and I mean, they made an example out of Caswell, but they could make an example out of them too. And, or they could just disappear them into the black cells never to be seen again. Personally, I would hold them in a cell and send a raven and be like, listen, yeah. we got your your uh, your lady or your fellow over here. You're going to 
join Team Green. Otherwise, we're going to splatter them all over King's Landing, basically. Yeah, so it makes more sense to, if you're going to try to unite the realm, basically, to rally forces to your claimant, you would make more use of your time and effort and energy and your hostage to get the rest of their house to cover down on the plan. Definitely. Definitely. So uh, we get some more really good music at this point and it cuts back to Kristen Cole and Amond as they're continuing to search. And Kristen's a little bit mad. He's like, Hmm, seems like you didn't know Aegon as well as you think you did, huh? And Aemond is considering the possibilities that he could be in the hands of mercenaries. He could be on a ship to Yt. He could be dead. They have to hope that that's not the case, at least for their for his mother's sake. Then it cuts to Eric and Eric, <laughs> Iraq and Iraq, <laughs> and uh, it turns out they are at a horrifying location: the Rat Pits. Oof. Apparently, this is something from the books. Basically, fighting pits with little kids, which is freaking crazy. And um, they're inspecting a kid's teeth at first, and he's got the whittled down, filed down teeth like Christopher oh. Walken in Sleepy Hollow, where all of his teeth are <laughs> pointy. <laughs> oh, man. And just seeing the kids fighting in the pit here, as they were getting the explanation from, from Eric to Eric about what's going on and who these kids are and how they make them grow their nails and fight. This scene here, it's a good thing that they include this in the book, I think, because the, the picture, the image of the children fighting sort of symbolizes how the children of Rhaenyra and Alicent are being, have been pitted against each other in a similar, less, mm, less, yeah. a, a, less like immediately brutal way to these kids. But I'm watching the kids fighting and I'm like, that's exactly what's going on in like the main story is that these kids have been trained to you know, raised to be prepared to fight each other for the throne effectively. So it was a good little microcosm of, <laughs> of the big picture situation, like a fractal where you zoom out and you see the same thing <laughs> on a larger scale. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I didn't think about that. So it's hor- horrifying as these kids are like being treated like cocks or dogs and being forced to fight each other for some unknown purpose, people are betting on it. And apparently Aegon loves to come to this place, which is super fucked up. looks like they're about 10 years old. According to Eric, man, it's messed up. Aegon spends many nights in this night in this place. So yeah, we, 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 we do have it confirmed here that Eric is the one who has spent all the time with Aegon and knows how fucked up he is. And Eric it seems has been unaware of all of this type of stuff because Eric with an E is like, dude, you see now how fucked up Aegon is like he enjoys this place. That That's twisted. Aegon is fucked and you've not even seen everything yet. And he points over to the side and hidden in the shadows, but in like a probably like within behind bars, it seemed like is like a little boy yeah, sitting there with super light blonde hair. And uh, Eric with an A is like, huh, one of Aegon's bastards. And Eric is like, yeah, one of many, I'd wager. So it's crazy. Crazy. Confirmed kids of Aegon's living in squalor in a child fighting pit. So, yeah, so messed up. Talk about So we learn later that and we've seen that 
Egon is like he just craving approval and love from his parents, you know. But like uh, like an abusive situation, he he is now doing the same thing to his own kids and ignoring them. He's fathered bastards and he's left them to rot out in King's Landing. And royal blood is being probably forced to being fight each other and in in this fighting pit for kids and stuff. And it's like he's just perpetuating the cycle of not providing the love to the children that needs to be provided, which is horrible to, to learn, you know? Crazy. Insane. Insane depravity. And so intercut, as we continue, we start seeing Caswell preparing to try to flee the red keep. So at first he arrives over at the horses and he's kind of looking around like, just, just going to get my horse. No, nothing to see here. (laughs) Then it cuts back to Amond and, He's telling Kristen how he's a better fit to be king than Egon. We're starting to get a little bit more in insight into the dynamic between the relationship between Egon and Amond. Yeah. And he's like, dude, here we are trawling the city like an ocean trying to find a freaking minnow. You know, my brother who could be anywhere. <laughs> he calls him a wastrel <laughs> in search of a wastrel who's never taken half an interest in his birthright. Tis I, the younger brother who studies history and philosophy. Tis I who trains with a sword, who rides the largest dragon in the world. It is I who should be, and he stops short of saying king. Mm-hmm. But we have, everybody knows what he's thinking. And uh, Kristen Cole kind of has to calm him down. Like, I know what it is to toil for what, for what others are freely given. And it's this line here, toiling for what others that are freely given, which harkens back to Helena's quote. It is our fate, I think, to crave always what is given to another. If one possesses mm-hmm. a thing, the other will take it away. So this may be foreshadowing Amond actually intervening at some point with with Egon, potentially, because she's been right about other things, you know, about Amond having to close an eye. <laughs> and so it's interesting. It's, I'm really curious to see now what plays out between these two brothers. Yeah, their their dynamic is we get to see a little bit of it as as Eamon finally gets his hands on him and you know they have a little tussle there in the streets. But yeah, a- Eamon definitely is ambitious and but but also no can see the writing on the wall that he's way better suited to to be king than Aegon. Way better, way better. Aegon is such a <laughs> such a just a bastard. I mean, you know, he's got everything the bastard blood, but he's trueborn. You know what I mean? And it's interesting here because Amond says that he says, I'm next in line to the throne. Should they come looking for me? You know, I intend to be found because they can't find Aegon. He's hiding, but he's like me. I would stand up and I would do it. Just like right. how uh, Aegon didn't want to marry Helena, but he was like, I would do it. <laughs> People speculate that those kids, the twins may not be Aegon's at all, that they may be Amond's, which could explain how Helena seems to have insight between the two brothers wanting what the other have. But it's interesting because Amond would not be next in line. It would be the son, one of the twins of Egon, who would be next in line, correct? One of correct. the infants. Yeah, yeah. Jehera, boy. Or no, Jeheris. Jeheris, another Jeheris. Interestingly, yeah, interesting, yeah. So, so then it cuts back to Caswell, who's now atop his horse and starting to head towards the gate, <laughs> hoping nobody will notice him. And then it cuts back to Eric and Eric and Sir 
Eric with an E is straight up, he's saying it at this point, like something must be done. Egon is unfit to rule. And so he's like, he is stepping out of line here as far as it's concerned, as far as his role is concerned. You know, they're sworn to obey and to protect, but he's just being real about this. And he's got the balls to stand up for what he believes in. Um, and he's like, dude, this is bad. We can't allow this. And Arak, Eric, <laughs> Eric, his, his brother is like, well, you've tolerated the prince's proclivities for years. He's like, only because it was my sworn duty. And Eric is like, it's for the king to find wisdom. We swore an oath of service until death. Like we're, we have no part in this discussion. We, our influence is not wanted. We, we have no role to try to change the way that things are going to play out. And this, they're interrupted at this point by a, a, a woman who asks for a moment of their time. <laughs> and one of them, I'm not sure which at this point, <laughs> thinks she's a whore. And so she's like, you'll find no buyers for your wares here. But then she reveals what she's really there for. I can take you to Prince Aegon, or Ooh. actually I'm sent by one who knows where he is. Tell you for a price. Deliver him and we'll consider your price. Uh, and she says, that, you know, her boss, she don't want to talk with any servants. Only the hand of the king. Exalted as the servants may be. <laughs> she kind of like does a little sarcastic curtsy. Yeah. <laughs> just hilarious. So it's, it's interesting that she knows that, I mean, exalted servant, you know, that's the king's guard. Yeah, she knows exactly who they are. Yeah, very interesting. Very interesting. So she must, you know, she's clearly involved with the spied network and she's been tasked to learn the faces of all these people from the, from the Red Keep so that she can keep track of them. And recognize them if she sees them. Yeah, follow them throughout the city if needed. Yeah, just the fact that she is able to recognize who they are shows how well and well-oiled and well-prepared the White Worm uh, uh, trains her foot soldiers, yeah. her little spiders, mm -hmm. to be. Exactly. Yeah, definitely. Um, so she says that the White Worm, she doesn't name drop the White Worm yet, but she's saying her boss will only deal with the king and one of the twins. Impossible. Scoffs. Um, and now she name drops. Uh, I think he will wish to hear what the white worm can tell him. Yeah. Um, so I so think Otto. He knows. Yeah. Otto knows that name. He doesn't know who she is and has only dealt with her, I think, through proxies and, yeah. you know, uh, messengers and servants back and forth. You know, the little boy that was the bag man for the money in the Damon Rhaenyra night on the town. But <laughs> yeah. I was kind of confused for, for a minute at first. I was like, how is he sitting down with the white worm? When we were thinking that she was basically, I was thinking that Messaria, the white worm, was basically employed by Otto. But she's just, she's basically a free agent. She's an independent contractor of spies. Mm -hmm. She probably sent information repeatedly. This comes from the white worm. You know, remember that name. They get, she gets paid over and over. And over time, having delivered accurate information, because when this happened and, and Otto got the information from the kid at the whorehouse, <laughs> who uh, he said, you know, this, this source has never failed me before. Yeah. So that indicates that there's been an ongoing relationship between these two. He probably yeah. knows her by the name of the White Worm, but is unaware of her actual identity. And so now right. this person is saying that the White Worm actually wants to meet with the Hand of the King. And yeah. so they're like, oh. And knows Prince Aegon's whereabouts. Yeah. 
So it's high, very high stakes. Very high stakes. Speaking of high stakes, it cuts back to Caswell, who is now legit attempting to flee the Red Keep. And the gates are opening and freedom is right in front of him like he can just he can taste it. I thought for a moment there might be a dragon sitting on the other side <laughs> of the gate. That, would, like, have oh, that would be crazy if Fagar or uh, Dreamfire just or uh, Sunfire? What's Aegon's dream? Aegon's is Sunfire, Aegon? yeah. Uh, if one of the three, you know, the greens, dragons, was sitting on the other side of the gate and either roast him or, you know, just, you know, yeah, just, you know, growls at him and he's just like... You want to rethink you know, this, buddy? Yeah. <laughs> but they just snatch him off the horse. Yeah. Like, halt! Hold the gate! Someone realizes what's happening and they take him into custody and, and he's like, let go of me! Uh, they pull him off his horse and he's like, get off me. Do you know who I am? <laughs> um, and then uh, we don't see Larry strong in this scene, but this script credits him with saying he was fleeing from the gate. It, but it's I guess maybe that's the next a, scene. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. We hear that before possibly, I'm not sure before, before we jump visual. To, cut. Yeah. Maybe anyway. Yeah, I think so. Um, and Laris, you know, thinks he knows what, you know, that what Caswell was up to a warning for the princess I'd wager. And then, uh, Otto tries to get him to confess. What say you? Which I love that phrase. What say you? What say you? Ar- Aragorn says that when he's, uh, summoning the, the, well, demon, army. the, the demon army or the ghost army. I forget yeah. they have a name in the return of the King. I summon you to fulfill your oath. I summon you to fulfill your oath. Fight for me, and I will hold your oaths fulfilled. What say you? <laughs> what say you? So badass. Anyway, and here we get Laris's title, Lord Confessor. So does that mean that he's, is that AKA Royal Torturer? <laughs> Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Oh man, that's why he's got access to the black cells and stuff. Because remember, we were we were thinking he had mm-hmm. to have some position, uh, right. official position that gave him that type of back, yeah, ground access act, to the black access. cells. Yeah, access to the black cells, uh, and also it's an official position at King's Landing that keeps him there and not right. At all. Yeah, exactly. His, you know, his seat. True. Um, true. True. Lord, the Lord Confessor presumes. So Caswell says that. Yeah, I think so. The Lord. Um, He's like, I have no love for the princess. Well, then where were you going with such urgency? I was just going to get some ice cream. I've got to return some videotapes. (laughs) Yeah, I would have been like, I would have been like, oh, yeah, I had pressing business down at the docks. Or, I mean, come up with some excuse, but he just, he doesn't even. The whole time you were getting uh, dragged there, he didn't think of something. Right. He, um, I was like, I wasn't urgent. I just hopped on my horse and was ready to go for a stroll. Just going you know, for a stroll. I, don't know. I mean, they're going to, they're going to string you up anyway, but I would have tried to <laughs> come up with some kind of excuse, you know, to yeah. maybe they'll buy off on it. But anyway, let the King's justice take him. Oh God. So by the King's justice, do you think they meant Laris or do you think they meant like the death penalty? Yeah. I, I just took it to mean like, I mean, yeah, it's the death penalty. Like, when they say let the king's justice, I think they use that phrase when they behead Ned. Right, like yeah. You will so receive like the, king's the king's justice. justice. Yeah. If that's like automatically death or if that's just like let the justice system 
take care of him. Mm. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I, mean, I wasn't really quite sure either. Cool line. Yeah, we hear him, see him hanging the next morning as uh, Rainy makes her escape. Yeah, but probably didn't get a uh, trial by the jury of his peers. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> Is that a change from the books? Uh, I was under the impression that he had survived. I, yeah, I'm not sure. I haven't gone back and looked, or I haven't, and since yesterday, I haven't heard anybody talk about if, if that is the same fate he meets uh, in the book or not. I mean, I'm sure he dies because, you know. Who doesn't? Every, exactly. <laughs> everybody does. But I don't remember if he's hanged at the Red Keep or something else. I had heard somewhere that he went and joined Rhaenyra. So it may be a slight change from the books. Interesting. Yeah. Well, they made an example out of him. Yeah. And whereas they may take the other people captive to try to sway their houses, they killed this one. So maybe the other houses can be swayed and convinced to join the Greens. But the fact that this Caswell is killed may push the Caswell house toward the blacks. Definitely. So, uh, he, yeah, that's pretty messed up. And he's dragged away, kicking and screaming. They drag him out and he's like, let go of me. This is not right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then he's dragged off to the, to the hangman's noose, presumably. Yeah. And oh. yeah. Otto, Otto tells Laris that, that he did well. Um, only my duty, says, oh, Lord Hand. Only my duty. Um, <laughs> And out here, Alan is still screaming and yelling, who do you think you are? Um, and then uh, when we, we learn that Otto knows that Laris and Allison have been talking a lot lately. He spent many hours with the queen of late. And then Laris is, he's like perfectly ready for this. Um, like he hasn't covered his track so much that nobody should know that he and Allison are meeting and talking. But you know, he's he just kind of turns it around and says, you know, I can make this work for you, too. Double agent. So he's exactly so my question is, is he going to be a double agent for for Otto uh, sneaking information for Alice from Allison? Or right. is he going to be a triple agent tricking Otto into thinking <laughs> Otto he's a double agent? He's a double agent. <laughs> yeah. And then really doubling again. Yeah, I love that stuff. I just wrote he's playing both Allison and Otto. Yeah. So when Otto thinks he's kind of got him pinned here, it's like, what have you been doing spending all this time with the queen? And he's just ready to just turn it around. They're like, oh, I'm doing it for you. You know, we can learn, you know, this, this, and this about what the queen's doing. Yeah, all the information is at your disposal. Exactly. He's He'll tell Otto what he thinks Otto needs to know. And he'll tell Allison what he thinks Allison needs to know. And he'll withhold information. I think this is me, my what I think Laris is really up to. Yeah. Very Baelish of him. Yeah. He'll withhold information when it'll benefit him for them not to know something. Yeah. So that sounds about right. He's not loyal to anybody but himself. I don't think. Yeah. That makes sense. Although he does seem to have a thing for Allison's feet. And if he can't get more feetsies, maybe he would be upset. <laughs> he might be loyal to them. Stanky feet more than anything else. Well, I mean, Otto has feet too. <laughs> <laughs> oh god maybe his uh, tastes are uh, less discriminating <laughs> yeah clearly <laughs> clearly <laughs> oh man uh, i think here we uh we go to the the silent sisters wrapping the sarah's body yeah i loved how they had those like banners uh, sticking up on two poles from their backs yeah they were like that in the original show as oh, some interesting nice costume design yeah, I think George um, and incorporated that it. into uh, Elden Ring also. I seem to 
remember oh, potentially nice. characters in a video game having that similar type of thing. But I may be wrong about that. Maybe I'm just remembering Game of Thrones. But yeah, Alicent is looking positively bereft as the Silent yeah, really. Sisters are wrapping up Viserys. And it, really, it, she's really upset. Yeah, and this is what lends me to think that she really did love Viserys on some level. And I think that her uh, choosing to back Aegon is out of loyalty to Viserys largely because she knows Aegon is a fuckstick, you know, and she... Under, like she slapped the shit out of him last episode and knew that he was a monster for being a pedophile rapist and uh, violating Diana. And so it's hard for me to imagine that she would willingly back him. Um, sure, she's he's her son, but I think it's that loyalty to Viserys that she really does want to fulfill his dying wish, you know? She looks so sad here. Really great acting yeah. by Alicent. By yeah, uh, Olivia Cook has, has been really good throughout. She was very, very good this episode, and you know, all kind of different scenes. This upcoming scene with her and Rainey, she Jeez. was really good. This um, sad, sad scene when she wakes up in the bed and she's upset when she first learns that Viserys has died, and then here when they're preparing his body, she seems really upset. Yeah, it, um, powerful. She's yeah, she's a very, very good actress. Definitely. Yeah, so Rainey's door unlocks and in comes the queen. And uh, Rainey's doesn't even wait for any kind of explanation. <laughs> he sort of goes on the attack. I'll do you the considerable courtesy of assuming there was a good reason for the outrage of my treatment here this morning. My sincerest regrets for the lack of ceremony. <laughs> and they kind of, there's this pause and they kind of look at each other. And Rainey's basically figures out there's only one reason the keep would be she locked saw people down. getting herded and locked down earlier and she's locked down. It's like, Oh, the King has died and they are controlling everything. Yeah. Everybody's movements Goosebumps. control, controlling the flow of information. And so Rainey's just says the King, the King. and you are usurping the throne. So she knows the King has died. And because of what they're doing, you know, in the castle, she can figure out that they are, if there was just a normal, if Viserys died and they would, ravens would fly to every corner of the realm to include mm -hmm. Dragonstone. Everything so would be going would on normally. Exactly. Rhaenyra would come to King's Landing, be a uh, crown, you know, so on and so forth. Yep. But all this suspicious activity is like, he has died and y'all are up to no good. Y'all are up to <laughs> no good. That's like the first time I've ever said y'all out loud, I think. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but, um, you know, Allison, you know, tries to explain to her, oh, my husband's dying wish. And Rainey's wants no part Stop. of this. Yeah. He's like, oh, shit. Exactly. No <laughs> chance, man. And then, but Allison is kind of pragmatic. And it's like, whether you believe it or not, you know, it doesn't matter because this is happening. Yeah. Aegon will be, Aegon will be king. But man, that's like, like Rainey said, um, or no, does she, oh, she says it right here in a second. Um, Allison says, I need your support, you know, come yep. support Aegon. And Rainey's is like, well, I got to give it to you. You got, you got balls. I like balls. Yeah. And Rainey's, it's interesting. She went from being overlooked as queen to being like pushed to the background by Coralus, who is obsessed with ambition and ignoring Rainey's will and desires to keep Lenor out of it and to forget the ambition of the throne. And now all of a sudden she's being like courted by both sides. Rhaenyra is asking for her support. 
uh, Viserys is asking for her opinion at court the prior day. Allison mm-hmm. is coming to her asking for her support. And that was another thing too. Uh, we didn't mention in the last podcast, but Vaymond was the only one who told her like, I don't need your support, you know? And so when it came to the court scene with, uh, where she had to choose a side, she was like, Ooh, Vaymond, you said you didn't need me. So, you know, fuck you, but I'm going to choose the, the blacks. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that's true. And, and I mean, so Corliss is still hurt because, okay, yeah, we can just kind of, I guess, go into that. Um, Allison yeah. tries to, downplay you know what what is what is the what have the valerians gained by yeah by siding with rhaenyra being allied with rhaenyra this, this whole time death 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 and in you know injury <laughs> lena you know dead all alone, alone in pentos oh. um tur- rhaenyra turned her son you know into a cuck yeah um <laughs> do you know where that word comes um, from cuckold no it's it comes from the cuckoo bird which is known to trick other species of birds into caring for their offspring by laying eggs in the nests of other birds. And then they go off and they don't have to do any of the work and the unsuspecting, um, you know, finch or whatever. Yeah. (laughs) Robin. Yeah. Crazy, crazy. You know, she says Rhaenyra's heirs, you know, talking about the Valerian boys, the strong boys, you know, none of her heirs are yours. Um, and Allison sort of speaks ill of, of Corliss, you know, it's your husband who grasps so heedlessly at the throne. And we know this because of the conversations between Rhaenys and Corliss. Rhaenys tries to get him to drop it. Just mm-hmm. leave it alone. I've given up on the Iron Throne. Let's live our life on Driftmark and be content. Yeah, we have a castle. Corliss, we have a territory. Corliss still wants to kind of continue to press the issue. So Allison, you know, has the right of this, you know, their Corliss and Rainey's kind of relationship. Dynamic, yeah. Um, and he, and even he has abandoned you, gone six long years to fight a desperate battle, returning grievously, if not mortally wounded. So um, Corliss, uh, and it's just, just one day has passed since last episode. So, so this in is the day moment, two. I was like, right. And they said, is this what you, uh, at the beginning of last episode that he'll get back to Driftmark in three days? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's what I was so referencing. So he's still, his fate is still unknown. I was thinking, oh, he should be better by now. And I was like, oh no, we're just, we're in the next day. Viserys just died the night before. Six year time jump to like two yeah. days over three episodes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, you know, his fate, you know, is still unknown. Uh, I mean, it was as far as, you know, what's going to happen of his wound. Mm-hmm leaving the Lady of Driftmark to chart her course alone. I love that, how that she used like oceanic terminology for the Lady of Driftmark since they're a seafaring house. And so she yeah, says the Lady of Driftmark to chart her course alone. Yeah, great, great <laughs> linguistics there. Yeah, very, you know, good writing. You know, this scene is really well done. Uh, she says their house, the words of House Valerian are not fickle. Yeah. Which is a, a fun, <laughs> I like that word. Yeah. And she kind of kind of walks off and goes over to the window, I think, here. Yep. Um, and then Allison calls her dear cousin. I was like, that she was Viserys' cousin. Mm-hmm. Don't like, it kind of annoys me sometimes when people try to like assume the relationship of, you know, a significant other. You know, it's like, I mean, if you're close to the person, that's fine. But Allison and Rainey's are not close. It would know, be like, she's like her cousin-in-law type of thing. So a good right. cousin would have would have applied. I guess so. But um, she's just like, oh, cousin, trying to, you know, play on the familial relationship. It's yep, like, yep. Rainey's and Viserys were cousins. Like, you are a high tower. 
from Old Town. Get, <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> Allison tells her, you know, you know more than anybody, more than anybody alive, what I'm about to say. And then Allison kind of drops a bomb. And I, when she said this, I'm Ooh, like, dang, yeah. I did not think Allison would admit this. I love my husband, but I will speak the truth as we both know it. You should have been queen. Rainey's is like, like, what? Golly. Yeah, we, Rainey's and us were all like, oh, snap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> A little thought to hear such words from you. Allison says the Iron Throne was yours by blood and by temperament. Yeah. So, so you had the right and the character for it. I mean, Viserys had a pretty good temperament as far as I'm mean, trying to keep the peace, yeah. but he didn't have the decisiveness, I guess, to to deal with things in the here and now that needed to be dealt with. And to like but, handle all of the various things. Like he would keep it, keep the realm peaceful, but but as long as he knew there was peace, he'd go to his model set. Whereas somebody else may have been more hands on deck when it comes to like making sure everything's better than just peaceful. You know what I mean? That, that right. there are good Following living through. conditions and that there aren't rat yeah. pits in, this, in King's Lidding, landing yeah. with kids fighting each other. Exactly. Trying to improve it, not just keep the status quo. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it was cool that she said, you know, obviously we, we know that the Iron Throne was hers by blood, but by temperament. You know, so she was saying she was further complimenting Rhaenys about, you know, just how good she would have been yeah. you know, in that position of power. Yep. Um, it's funny. Her vision of, of Viserys would have lived uh, his days as a country lord. I, I was always thinking fat country lord. Anytime they say country lord, like I assume they're fat. <laughs> lord too fat to sit a horse. Yeah, uh, <laughs> fat country lord, content to hunt and study his histories. But here we are. Yeah. Um, Allison kind of folds, you know, sort of to the patriarchal system. Uh, she says, we do not rule, but we may guide the men that do. Uh, which later, Rainey's in a few minutes here, Rainey's kind of turns around on, and tries to, I think, manipulate and put a little inception kind of idea into the back of Allison's head. Yeah. Um, Very interesting. They, they need to, to uh, guide the men gently away from violence and sure destruction. Um, And instead Instead of doing all that, push them. Yeah. Push them towards peace. It's funny because she's talking about, she's implying that like women are the more, the fairer sex, you know, the more peaceful and responsible, but then, Hmm. Who kills the most people this episode? Rainey's. Yeah, a woman yeah. slaughters like half of King's Landing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Later on. it's a lot of people packed into that dragon pit. Yeah. Boom, blows up through the floor. So it may not be quite as simple as men bad, women good. You know, they each have good oh, yeah, characteristics. Definitely. And there's like a Absolutely. symbiosis that can be achieved when a man and woman work together that I think is unattainable in either, uh, either in isolation. As seen with King Jaehaerys, the conciliator, and his wife, the good queen, Alassane. Right. Um, I think Allison is this is, is this where they had kind of tussled with their hands Allison was begging her holding her hands and Rainey yeah. rips her hands Rainey's away finally breaks free in this kind of dramatic moment Ugh. and kind of walks <laughs> back to the center of the room and is just repulsed by by Allison and, and what she's trying to do to to persuade Rainey's over to the greens uh, and she asks is it in the name of peace that you've imprisoned me and then the key question, what of my dragon? Yeah, I love how her so mind goes like, right to her dragon. Like my mind would go right to my dog or like right to my bird, you know, like yeah. same way. I, I just, what, I mean, there's no other place to really keep them besides the dragon pit, but. The dragon mont potentially. Where well, Cyrax, that's, that's uh, on. Oh yeah. That's on uh, Dragonstone. But mm-hmm. like, I mean, you could land her out in King's Landing 
remember in, in season eight where there's this random like open kind of area that the golden company line up. Oh yeah. When the John and Tyrion are about to but, you uh, know, besiege the city. True. True. There's like this open area that we've never really seen where the Dothraki and everybody in the big shots and where, where they kill, where basically they have Masande. Cersei has Masande up on the battlements and we're like, oh. where is this? Where is this open? It's like almost sandy open area. Like beside the, the city walls. In an open field. <laughs> exactly. But anyway, I was like, I was thinking, trying to think of a place a dragon rider could put their dragon. It's not the dragon. Pit well, she lives at, at Driftmark, right? So where would she normally keep it? It must stay with her at Driftmark, right? At Driftmark, you know, just somewhere hanging out like over there where Vagar was, you know, in the sand dunes. <laughs> yeah. Just chilling. But I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want, I wouldn't want to leave my dragon locked up in the dragon pit. Hell no. At, at the whims of whoever controls the dragon pit. Right. Basically house Hightower. Right. Especially if you're not on their team. Yeah, like you came here to hear Vaymond and his petition for the succession of Driftmark. And turns out Viserys came in and kind of saved the day because the Hightowers had it all planned out. But anyway, all that to say, I wouldn't leave my dragon in the dragon anywhere. I couldn't easily get to it. I just tell I just tell her to sit up top of the Red Keep and just stay. Uh, <laughs> it's a Valyrian, Valyrian word for stay. They put. Yeah. Um, but she's immediately is like, what am I dragon? Uh, yeah. So Allison is kind of doing the tactical, you know, dragon math of, you know, war. Um, <laughs> you know, if, if we're overmatched, uh, Rhaenyra will be tempted to strike us and war will ensue. Uh, but without your dragon, Rhaenyra may be, you know, persuaded, persuaded to negotiate. So they're basically using Melis as, you know, a hostage, sort of like we were. Uh, trying to figure out the lords and ladies of of the right. court, what they would do with them is like they're keeping their dragon as a hostage. So it's one less dragon that could they're in the green's possession, and they are going to hold on to it so that it doesn't go over to Rhaenyra's side of the chessboard. Mm-hmm. Like we were talking about, they lost the blacks, lost Vagar to the greens. Yeah, brutal. Um, so they're trying to prevent that, which you know, which is a good tactic uh, on the greens part definitely control the dragons especially a big dragon with a very experienced rider very experienced uh, decades melees and rainies Mm -hmm. um so they're trying to you know use that to to get rainier to the negotiation table yep um and she promises her drift mark but it's like it's never a good negotiation tactic that it's never a good negotiation tactic to promise something that somebody already has. If you want Driftmark, you can have it. It's like, Randy's has been sitting in the Driftwood thrones the last six years that Corliss has been gone. It's like, yeah. what, what are you talking about? I mean, I get it. She's saying once the Greens are in power and the war is over, they'll leave her alone and she can have Driftmark. But it's like, she already has Driftmark and they have Melis. I mean, Sea Smoke's somewhere. He's without a rider. And Vela has... Um, um, her dragon. Yeah, I can't remember the name of hers either. I have to look it up. So anyway, Reina, one of them. Reina, I think Reina doesn't have one, and Bela does. Anyway, it's pretty, um, pretty interesting that the dragons—they're already figuring out if it comes to war, who has what dragons and what's going to happen. 
and she promises her drift mark and then she can pass it down to her granddaughters. Rainey's overall seems impressed with how astute uh, Alicent is regarding the overall dynamics of of this whole thing, the dragons, the you know the leverage and various things. And she's like, you are wiser than I believed you to be. Kind of like gives mm-hmm. her the up and down look, you know, Alicent. And then she calls her. Yeah, she calls her by her last name. It's like, you've been married to Viserys Targaryen this whole time, so people may think of you as Alicent Targaryen, but, oh, but you yeah. are Alicent Good Hightower. Point. Good point. You've, got, you've been wearing these green dresses every day, all day, since the, the wedding feast. <clears throat> you are Alicent Hightower. Like, you're coming and here Alicent. pretending to be my family, leveraging yeah. me, like, you're better than I thought you would be, but you're still a Hightower. Exactly, and Alicent tries to say, you know, oh, she, a true queen counts the cost to her people. Which is true. Um, it shows how her, she's got the right mindset for a leader. Yeah, you know, she's thinking about, you know, if war breaks out, you know, what's it, what's it, this is going to cost, you know, when the high lords and ladies, you know, play their Game of Thrones, it's the small folk who die. Um, so, but Rainey's, you know, tells her, is like, yeah, but you still toil in this patriarchal system. You're, you're still serving Otto. And Aegon. And he, I mean, even Kristen Cole. I mean, Kristen Cole serves her, Ceres, but too. they're the ones, yeah, through this whole, through this whole system. Um, Great net line, the next line. Yeah, absolutely. It says, Arrhenius tells her, you don't desire to be free. You just want to make a window in the wall of your prison. Oh, I was like, oh, I man. love that line. Wow. That may be one of my favorite lines of the, of this episode. And the next line, like, this totally changed the direction of this she kind of gets, Rainey's gets really close to Allison and just literally whispers in her ear. Have you never imagined yourself on the Iron Throne? Have you never imagined yourself on the Iron Throne? <laughs> and Allison is like, yeah. Allison's like, look of I mean, like, she, I, I mean, her look is like speechlessness. She's like, no, but maybe I should. But that's bad. But it seems like there's like, like ten different thoughts like yeah. race across her mind and across her face in a span of you know half a second. She's yep. like, yes, no, maybe. Uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, I'm, I'm gonna leave you. I thought Allison sort of projected here. I'm going to leave you alone to your thoughts. That's like Allison was going to be alone with her thoughts. Too. Yeah, seriously. Um, <laughs> and then this uh, turned out to be a really ominous salutation. Ring the bell when you have an answer. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And so that was interesting. Have you ever considered yourself on the Iron Throne? Potentially. So we know that there's, she's like planting the seeds of, of, um, mutiny like uh, like Corliss said to Vaymond in the at the stepstones she's planting little seeds that could fracture the greens you know we have Aemond who's jealous of Aegon and there could be conflict there and now she's saying to uh Alicent like even you you could sit the throne wouldn't you want that like how have you not been considering that you have to be right think about it you could sit the iron throne and that's like another way that the greens could be divided and in begin infighting if for some reason she was like you know what uh, you're right. I am going to take the throne for myself. So that's that's a possibility moving forward. Although 
doesn't happen by the end of this episode when things are kind of settled to one degree or another. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, she, like she says, she has the, the temperament and thought process of, you know, counting the cost of her people, you know, more than, you know, most rulers do. She's obviously way better fitted than Aegon would be. Aemon is still, you know, pretty young and inexperienced in the ways of the world. Um, what does Danny say? Young and inexperienced in the ways of war? Yeah, I think so. Or, or of the world? I can't remember. She says it constantly a, in the books. And it's so yeah. funny, dude. Roy Dotrice, at first he does like a kind of a normal verse vo- voice for the narrator for the audiobooks for Daenerys in book one and two. But then like there was a gap between recording book two and three or something. And so he comes back and he does like a little Irish voice for Daenerys. <laughs> I may only be a young girl <laughs> without knowing the ways of war. <laughs> oh, so yeah. R.I.P. man. R.I.P. Roy Dotrice. Yeah. He was so awesome. Pyromancer Helene. Rest yeah, OG. Who's gonna be? Uh, who's he gonna be? He's gonna be Grandmaster Pycelle, I think. Yeah, he was in the original running he got sick. for Pycelle. Yep. Yeah, but at least he got in the show for with the uh, Grandmaster. No, uh, what'd you say? Uh, uh, Pyromancer Helene. Yeah, there's a name for those guys. Wisdom. Oh yeah, Wisdom, wisdom Helene. Yeah. Like, that's their their title. The pyromancers yep. are called wisdoms. Yeah, like that's wizards cool. for for Gandalf and Saruman and Lord of the Rings. But. Badass. Don't have dragon fire. Wildfire is the next best thing, right? Exactly. Uh, I wonder if that ever comes into play in the dance. I don't remember it, but who knows? Speaking of women slaughtering citizens, you know, Cersei blowing up the sept. <laughs> oh, <shit. laughs> oh man. Yeah, so next it cuts to Kristen and Amund as they arrive and spy Eric and Otto and Eric meeting with Missaria. And Kristen turns to Amund and says, my prince, we found them. You know, he doesn't say we found them. He just says, my prince. And they see Otto and the white worm and the, the twins sitting down and talking business yeah dude this is such a crazy scene the <laughs> Otto's wearing his hood and everybody's all in their uh in their stealth garb and beautiful Missaria sits down looking all regal and nicely dressed and everything and um, you know their head tilted back in a power pose and and Otto's like, you yourself are the mysterious white worm, I take it? Or are you simply a further peel in this stinking onion? <laughs> Another great line there. And dude, the, her first line to him just blows him away. She's like, my condolences on the passing of your king. And he's like, oh, yeah. my God. Like, what? Yeah, he this- has tried so hard to lock down everybody and everything in the Red Keep to keep this from getting out. Yep. And she just hits him with the fags. Like, I know your secret. Sorry, the king is dead. And he's like, and you don't have much of a look, much of a giveaway. He's like, yeah, you can tell. He's <laughs> like, in the headlights. Oh, how did oh, she possibly know? How does she know? Could you know? And this is, this simple sentence is enough for, to let him know that she's for real. And he signals for the cash. <laughs> and one of the, yeah, he's like, yeah, go ahead and pay the lady. <laughs> it's, pay the it's lady. her. It's her. Come on. Yeah, pay the lady. <laughs> yeah, so one of the boys, one of the twins brings over the cash and he gets down to business. Where is Prince Aegon? I th- and, uh, you know, people were speculating about her accent before, wondering if it's French or what it is. But I think it's like their own creation for like some, you know, far off, far off planetos accent, because I can't think of anything either. But yeah, I think I really liked it in this scene, as opposed to her conversation with with Damon in episode 
two or whatever it is was when the mm-hmm. accent seemed kind of awkward. I thought in this scene it was very effective and mysterious and made her seem powerful and and exotic and she you know he would she tells him that the prince was in flea bottom where no one is to be trusted and she thought it would be best to secrete him away somewhere safe in case they come looking for him and he's like where and she's he's safely tucked away and then she gets down to business on her end i want Mm -hmm. an end to the savage use of children in flea bottom they're forced to fight and worse your gold cloaks take the bribes given to them to look away an obscenity either tolerated or ignored by the crown and he's like i'll look into it you have my word and she further presses him when your plots ripen and you install your grandson in the throne remember it was me who put him there i could have killed him as easily as a wasp on fruit and then the my favorite line of the whole episode right here yeah there is no power but what the people allow you to take and i was like yes just like that Missaria becomes the best character on this whole show (laughs) A check against the powers that be, advan- advocating for the small folks, a voice for justice and decency in King's Landing, and a reminder that governments only have the power that we, the people, allow you to have. And I was like, yeah, it's like I fist pumped at this. Masaria for Queen. Queen Masaria. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Masaria, Masaria 2024. <laughs> so awesome. I was like, yes, dude. Love it. Just, you just killed it and uh and Otto's like I will remember like you goddamn you're goddamn right you will because you know she's powerful she knows things yeah. she has the ability to snatch people up you know like you better remember and you better respect her because if you don't she could probably have you killed <laughs> you know like you're yeah, only breathing she has, because she is letting you yeah. it seems like and Aegon the crown prince is only breathing because she allowed it yeah but um, she has people pretty, in the in the keep you know like her yeah. Spiders are slinking around. Everybody's at danger if if Missaria is angered. So you've got to keep her in a good mood. I was sort of wondering when Otto says, I will remember if he meant that. The North remembers. In a bad way. Yeah, 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 that's true. He could be like, uh, I remember. I'll I'll remember. It's like, okay, this lady is dangerous. She needs to be dealt with. I'm going to have to take action. (laughs) I will remember it and we can continue to work together. Yep. We'll see. Very good. Very good read on that. Interesting question. So uh, instantaneously, Missaria is now one of the most powerful people in, in the Seven Kingdoms with leverage over the hand and the crown, which is pretty hardcore. Uh, and they're in, their, in her debt for recovering the prince. So we'll have to see how that plays out. <laughs> oh, did we talk about Jaehaerys' crown and where they're uh, wrapping up Viserys' body and uh, Allison is crying? Uh, I don't think we talked about that. No. After, after, you know, they finish wrapping up Viserys body, he, Allison brings the crown that Viserys wore, you know, his entire reign, the, the golden crown that has the different sigils from the Lord's paramount you know, yeah, all pretty, around it. Pretty badass. Uh, and that was the, the originally Jaehaerys got that crown. Um, I don't remember how he, he came to, to possess it, if it was a gift or, or what the history of it, but obviously, Otto and Allison choose to crown Aegon with the Conqueror's crown. So Jaehaerys' crown is exactly to show to you know exude power. You know, Blackfire, the Aegon sword is black and ruby crown. But here, um, Allison places Viserys and Jaehaerys' crown, the golden crown, 
on the Cirrus body, and, and that's the last we see of it. So I'm interested to see what becomes of Jaehaerys, the Cirrus crown. Yeah. Very interesting. I got a feeling um, I'll see it again, though. So after after Alice, I'm sorry, after Otto and Masaria's little sit-down chat, I think we find ourselves in a, the Great Sept, I think is the name, because the Sept of Baylor is not a thing yet. Yeah, it's, it's just called the Great Sept. It's freaking gigantic. Like yeah, it makes St. Peter's Basilica look tiny. Yeah, and the, the Eric twins are just kind of looking around. So obviously they've been sent here without specific instructions. Sorry, I probably <laughs> said something, you know, just kind of vague. It's like, go look in the sept. <laughs> you and will like, find him in the where? center of the sept. <laughs> right. So, you know, something <laughs> kind of cryptic and... Um, puzzling like that and so they're here kind of on the hunt and they hear a cough <laughs> and it's like like oh listen and the sept is completely empty where are all the people yeah they're uh, being rounded up well i guess this is the uh, previous day oh, yeah, so they're true. not being rounded up for it's the next morning where they all get rounded up and forced to like you will go to the dragon pit <laughs> and you will witness like oh yeah. what if i gotta i really gotta pee doctors man. I got a doctor's appointment. No, yeah, gotta get that go. goiter checked. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so they uh, they realize that that it must be under this plinth or some kind of altar kind of a thing. Central altar type thing. And so I thought it funny that both of them reached inside to pull him out instead of <laughs> like the, the little trap door is pretty small. And instead of one of them just grabbing him, they both kind of stick the top half of their body in there, pull him out. He basically they pull him out kicking well, and they're screaming. Twins. They do everything together, right? Yeah. <laughs> Watch out, ladies. Hey. <laughs> so they pull him out, and he's like, "Where's the white worm?" Which is like, which I thought was his, his an odd first statement. So I guess maybe he worked. In, I mean, he seems to know that he was taken in, into her custody for protection, and he, she was right. Her people were like, "The white worm sent me to get you. We're gonna." keep you safe and hide you in the sept because it's the perfect place for Egon to hide because it's the last place on earth he would ever go. <laughs> you yeah. know? So it's like definitely great place and, uh, to be. Eric, E. Eric said, she sold you for a price and his, his head, a funny response. Why did you pay it? <laughs> he uh, yeah. wants to be left alone. Well, not only that, but by saying, why did you pay it? He's like, why would you, why would you guys want me to be king? Like, what the hell? You know, I'm fucked in the head. <laughs> you know, like he's total <laughs> lunatic. And so he's like, why? Why would you do that? You why know, if he like, paid it? Yeah. <laughs> Hilarious line. And then his, his mommy issues surface. I want my mother. I want my mother. <laughs> your grandfather, the hand will meet you outside yeah. the city walls. A very interesting line here. What was Indeed. Otto's plan? Yeah, what because was he said, his plan? He told Eric, bring him to only to me, and you mustn't tell no one, not even the queen. Mm-hmm. So what was the plan outside the city walls? That's sort of mysterious. Outside the city walls, like you were saying, it's not outside the Red Keep, it's outside the city. Was he going to have a ship with some gold and be like, get the hell out of here or we'll kill you? So Because we want to crown Amond, you know, or what What was the plan? I don't know. It's pretty um, pretty interesting. In In the small council when they reveal that there's this long laid plot, do they specifically name they do not. Do any of the, cons- do any of the conspirators name Agar? It, they just said, Oh, now we can proceed with the King's blessing. So that could, with the full assurance. Yeah. Yeah. It could mean that 
Allison's line is now the like they got the blessing for Allison's line. It doesn't necessarily mean that they want Egon to be crowned. It could mean like, oh, you know, if something happens to Egon. But then again, Otto what maybe wants to meet him outside the city walls to sneak him in somehow so that he can uh, get him into the, the castle stealthily and so that he can uh, say we need to attack Rhaenyra because they're going to try to fight, which is what Alicent is trying to prevent. She when they're she gives him counsel. Your grandfather will tell you to strike, but you must ignore this counsel. You know when they're mm-hmm. in the wheelhouse, the litter, the the horse left. the horse left. <laughs> So you know, Aegon kind of takes off running here, uh, <laughs> and then one of the twins grab him, and they, he says, "You flee with right? other men." I think so. You flee what other men die seeking. Yeah, really you know, just, cool line. He's just showing over and over again. He doesn't want this. He knows he's not suited for it. Other men would kill for it. Yeah, so many people want the throne. I mean, the whole original series is you know, you know vying for power and to get the throne. Um, then they kind of wrestle him, you know, out the front of the, <laughs> the sept, and uh, they're met on the steps by the other duo yeah the other uh buddy cop team up uh adventure pair crispin cunt pops up out of nowhere (laughs) (laughs) i truly regret this so uh kristen cole i I didn't really comment on his out on his disguise his little hat this like sort of like a i don't know henry the eighth you know that kind of little hat that kind of has a little poof on it i don't know it looked (laughs) It looked pretty silly. You sent me the the meme though, where it said these people cosplaying their heroes, and it was like Kristen Cole was imi- was wearing a similar hat to Rhaenyra when they yep. when Rhaenyra and Damon had gone on their nighttime excursion, and Amond here was wearing a similar cloak to Damon. <laughs> so they're like the person that they're obsessed yeah. with. Each one is kind of mo- modeling yep, them. <laughs> yeah, definitely cosplaying their heroes that, that was they're so obsessed funny. with. Yeah, can't get over him. Um, I was listening to another podcast and they were thinking the opposite that Arik with an A they're wrong is I agree yeah. so anyway so uh, <laughs> this is Eric this is Eric with an E I'm pretty sure yeah. that is you know Eric is the one that goes black and never goes back actually yeah so Arik is the one sword fighting crossing swords with with Cole. Yep, because he's still loyal Eric, to Aegon at this point. Right. Eric still just stays up on the the top step of the sept. It's like, mm, yeah, I'm good. He's like, have yeah, fun. yeah. <laughs> he abandons his brother. That's hardcore. That's crazy. In the middle of a sword fight between him and Kristen Cole. Yeah, so, he was like a renowned know, warrior. Two on one, they yeah. probably could have taken him, but he was like, mm, I'll just leave you Absolutely. to die. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so then this leaves Aemon free to pursue Aegon. Because, you know, the two Kingsguard kind of take care of each other. And, you know, I guess Eamon realizes that the other Kingsguard isn't going to participate. So he's like, okay, you know, Cole can handle Arik. So I'm going to go chase down Aegon. Yeah, and so Aegon and Aemon both go scampering down the stairs from opposite sides. <laughs> and Aemon catches up to him and tackles him. And <laughs> he's like, ah, pinned, got him pinned down on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> and Aemon, you know, has a moment of honesty with his brother. I was hoping you're, I was hoping you disappeared. Yeah, because he wants that crown, baby. And Aegon is just like giddy in this, like, I, mean, I guess he realizes he's caught and there's, he's not going to escape, you know, his fate of becoming king. So he's just kind of like giddy and, you know, pl- 
playful almost with, with Amon, his little brother, you know, quote unquote little. Um, he, he says, says is, our, know, is our father exactly, truly dead? Is our father truly dead? He might just Aemon. be excited that Viserys is dead because Viserys never respected him. And it seems like, remember when they're yeah, at, the, at the court hearing where they're deciding who is going to be heir to Driftmark? It was like as soon as uh, his mother got like outdone by Rhaenyra, he was <laughs> laughing about it. He seems to laugh and mm-hmm. think it's funny whenever somebody gets the better of his parents, basically. Yeah, yeah. So his, yeah, it's probably just his mommy and daddy issues you know anytime <laughs> somebody you know hits them with a zinger or whatever he kind of strikes him as funny yeah um amen tells him yep father's truly dead and they're gonna make you king <laughs> then Aegon spits in his one good eye it's like how dirty a move is it to spit in the eye of a one-eyed man dude spitting yeah that's super <laughs> dirty and it, like if you spit in like spitting in somebody's face is like a declaration of war like if, if you spit in my face i'm yeah. gonna rip your throat out you know what i yeah, mean that's so it's oh, the worst Ugh. um so Aegon, does he run off again or does he choke him some more right here i can't remember Aegon says no he lifts him to his feet and uh it's, it cuts back to um to eric and to Kristen. And he's like, uh, Kristen's like, where's your brother? You know, and he's long gone. And the two of them both also run down the stairs from opposite sides and start mm-hmm. clashing again. And it cuts to a really cool shot of a uh, like some some bystanders who <laughs> who all of a sudden are like, oh, my God, <laughs> as these guys are clashing with swords right next to him. And it pans over to the mm-hmm. sword fight. We see that Eric has abandoned Eric. Eric. <laughs> Uh, then the brothers kind of clash some more. Um, Aegon saying, let me go. I don't want to rule. I have no taste. I'm not suited. And Aemon is like, you're right, man. I, I can't argue with that. You are, you are definitely not suited. Yep. And um, there's an interesting moment here. Aegon says, let me go. I'll find a ship and I'll never be seen again. Um, and, and there's this pause before Cole, you know, comes up behind Aegon. And if it was just left to Aemon in this moment. Yeah. I think I think he would quickly escort Aegon down to the harbor, put him on a ship, and watch him sail away. Agreed. But Cole's here, and Aegon knows it too. He's like, "Yeah, hold, hold him by on, the man. face, like you just let me let go, me, and then let me go." Kristen slinks up, and oh man, when uh, when he <laughs> disarmed Eric, right, and made him drop his sword, he picks up the sword, and he has like the smuggest look on his face. Yeah. Oh, I just want to wring Kristen's neck. Yeah, super smug. He's the worst. Uh, and he comes up behind Aegon and uh, the queen awaits. Oof. And then it cuts to Alicent meeting with Otto. And Otto is like, hmm, well played. And, and she says, none of this is a game. Which is like a Game of Thrones, you know, like it really mm-hmm. is. <laughs> which is kind of a funny thing. And he's like, oh, well, you treat it like a game. And whatever our difference is our hearts remain as one it's the good of the family that we both desire and this is allison finally standing up for herself and standing up to her father remember her conversation with rainies earlier she's like you still just obey men your father your husband you know your son like yeah and uh and so finally allison is standing up for herself and the seed that that rainies planted about her one wanting to sit the throne hasn't 
sprouted, but the seed of uh, of that she's planted to try to divide Otto and Alicent by is starting to sprout, and Alicent is stepping up for herself and confronting her father head on in this situation, which is really awesome. She's like, um, you know. She she tells him that our hearts were never one and that she sees that now and she's just been a piece on the on the board that Otto's been moving around and he's like, Well, if that's true, then that means I made you queen, right? <laughs> so he's basically admitting it. That's that's saying like mm-hmm. it's true. Yeah. Would you have desired yeah. the 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 crown otherwise? And she's like, How would I even know? The only things I've ever wanted are the things that you have imprinted on me to want. And uh, and now the debt comes due, uh, the debt that you're happy enough to pay, slaughtering Rhaenyra and Damon. And he, he's like, it's a sacrifice for the stability of the realm. No, no king has lived that hasn't had to forfeit the lives of a few to protect the many. That's some Machiavellian ends justifying the means type stuff. And, uh, and he's like, though, I understand your squeamishness. And this is a great line here. Reluctance to murder is not a weakness. <laughs> and she's like, takes control. She's like, I have egg on now and we're going to proceed as I see fit. Sticking it to him, sticking it to him. We're going to send Rhaenyra and Damon terms that they can accept without shame. True terms. And Otto is like, dude, this is not good. They're, they're, this is going to mean war. If she survives, her banners will mass behind her and they'll, they'll you know, be ready to fight, basically. And Allison's just not having it. She goes through a list of things that are going to happen from here on out. She's like, Kristen Cole will be Lord Commander. Aegon will be anointed tomorrow. The whole of King's Landing has to witness, as we see, they're all funneled toward the dragon pit coming up. We're going to bring in the conqueror's sword and crown to send a, a signal of strength. Yeah, just yes to project the conqueror's name, the conqueror's crown, the conqueror's sword. Yeah, there you go. To I mean, they have to exude strength right now. Uh, I mean, Rhaenyra is going to fight either way, but to get the people and to get as many houses as they can to to follow Aegon, you know, the newly anointed and crowned king. You know, they have to project strength. So that's what they're doing in every single way. Definitely. And <laughs> it's like a, it's like a you are beaten moment. You are beaten. It is useless to resist. Where uh, Otto is just like he gives up and he's just like, oh, you look so much like your mother in certain lights. And Allison is disgusted by this. She seems to be just generally creeped out by any male sexuality at this point, you know, um, after g- having gone through everything and dealing with Laris, as we'll talk about a bit later. And this is kind of a th- there's sort of a creepy sexual undertone to Otto's remark here, like saying something, comparing you to your mother. It's like he loved your mother. He was attracted to your mother, probably. And um, so that's kind of weird. But it made me think also, was his wife it sort of implied to me that his wife was probably the only other woman on the planet who could win an argument against him and boss him around and put him in his place. He's exactly. like, wow. you know, somebody that exactly that, that would put him in his place that would tell him, you know, give him the business, you know, about whatever the situation was and that he, he couldn't really, he couldn't just dismiss them as hand. He has a lot of power to, you know, if, if somebody's, in his way, you know, he'll just crush them. But, you know, his daughter, you know, he cares about her, you know, at least a little bit. But (laughs) mainly, mainly though, he cares about power and he's installed his daughter as queen. He's about to install his grandson as, you know, to usurp the throne. So nobody can really, nobody really stands in Otto's way. 
Um, you know, that's why he didn't like Damon because Damon is a rogue and won't do the, you know, the wise sage, you know, conventional wisdom that Otto would have, you know, the advice that he would have put forth. Damon. Um, so now that Allison has won this, you know, victory, you know, in who, who's going to have Aegon and who's going to control how Rhaenyra and Damon are dealt with, Allison has won this and she's given him the business and give These are going to be the terms. This is what we're going to do. And, uh, she closes the door and, you know, he says, as you wish. But yeah, I think because she is putting him in his place, he's like, oh man, she's just like her mom. <laughs> <laughs> I think he was pretty impressed too by it, you know? And, yeah, I mean, uh, he got beat, you know, era, you know, his set of goons got beat by Allison and her set of goons, but still pulled it the off. main thing is they found the prince and he's in custody and he's going to be, anointed and crowned the next day. So all the details about what's going to happen outside of that are kind of what they're fighting over. Yeah. But you know, he, he got beat, but he's still impressed that his daughter sort of like his scene with Allison after she came at Rhaenyra with the dagger, she thought she was going to be in trouble, but Otto's like mad respect. I see <laughs> you have the determination. Yeah. I see you have the determination to win, you know, this game of Thrones. So yep. he's, he's, he is definitely impressed. Yeah, and so he reluctantly accepts that she's in control of the situation and he's bitch made. <laughs> oh man. So then it cuts to the scene with Laris. And Alicent is arriving back at her chamber and Laris is lurking in the background waiting for her. And it doesn't seem like she even notices him at first. She goes to pour herself some wine. Yeah. And from the background. Your grace. And it's Laris lurking. <laughs> and she's like, oh, the hour is late, Lord Laris. Like, please just leave me alone. But he tells her, I think I've, I've found something out that you should know. Have you asked yourself, I wonder, how is it that your father, the Hand, found Egon first? And I totally missed this on the first watch. But at this point, he sits back creepily in his chair and glares at yeah. her intimidatingly. He yeah, he gets oddly comfortable. Like, yeah. So obviously this is an ongoing thing yeah. that they have. He looks at her like, you know what you got to do if you want answers. You know how to get them. Take them shoes off. <laughs> We're doing the thing. Yeah, and she looks down at the floor in disgust at this moment. Yeah. Like, oh God, you want me to take off my shoes again? <laughs> and it, yeah, it seems like it's happened before and it seems like she's being forced to do it. So it's like awkwardly uncomfortable as... Um, as she's being manipulated and has to surrender her will to Laris to learn the facts here. Man, it's so creepy. It's so creepy. <laughs> and like he gives her little pieces, you know, all through the conversation. Yep. A web of, a web of spies uh, is at work in the Red Keep. And, you know, our business, you know, travels along this web. Um, and then he, he kind of tells the tale on Otto. He says, your father knows that this web, uh, is out there and exists, but he's left it in place uh, more than once. Proved advantageous to those willing to feed the weaver. Feed you know, the weaver. The spider. Yeah. Um, and I think at this point, uh, she asked him a question, you know, uh, you know, give me some more. Yeah, she says, and this weaver watches me asking exactly. him and <laughs> asking for some more information. And he just, yeah, he just sits there for a minute and she's like, oh, looks oh. down at her feet and again. <laughs> like you next step. <laughs> is this where she takes the shoe off or the stocking? I can't remember. This is where she takes the stockings off. 
Oh, so, you know, it's really getting serious. Yeah, um, he's like, want more? And he goes, um, you know, and then looks down at her feet like, oh, I could yeah. remember if you strip to the next level. <laughs> oh, man. Um, more feet Laris now. Tells, Lar- yeah, exactly. Laris uh, tells him that uh, your lady in waiting, Talia, is one of the spiders. Busted. And that yeah, Talia's busted. busted. She's already in jail. Uh, they already put her in, in jail, but um, true, true. he says there, there are even more like her and even Laris doesn't know how many. So that was an interesting detail to learn. Yeah, Anybody could be a Cylon. Oh, nope. That's Battlestar Galactic. Anybody could be a, <laughs> a spider. Um, and then does she do something else before he talks about there's one way to destroy his advantage? Uh, I, I don't remember. think so. I think it's at I the think... end where she finally kind of turns and yeah, that's, puts that's... her feet up on the couch and turns away. Yep. Ugh, total. Total disgust. Yeah, he continues um, here telling her that, uh, you know, the the only way to destroy his advantage is to take out the the, the head of the, the, the weaver, basically. And he uses a metaphor like a, a, a beehive metaphor saying when the queen dies, the bees fly without purpose. And he begs, he's uh, begging your pardon for the turn of phrase, your grace, because he's talking to the queen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, you can't oh, talk man. about the queen dying in front of the queen, so even in your funny. metaphor. That's funny. So funny. And so he's, she's like, and this falls within your wheelhouse. Like you, this is something you can handle. And he's like, "Mm, if you wish it could be done. And I think signifying that she wants it to be done. She'd like goes to the next level of the foot fetish thing and like turns this. Yeah. This is the full, the full view of the feet. Yeah. And he, uh, he like reaches into underneath his cloak and starts pulling on his, on his little, on his thing and it cuts back to, uh, you know, so creepy, just staring at the feet and it cuts back to Allison as she turns her head away and she's just like, ugh, like disgusted by the whole situation. But, you know, like Cersei, she's doing what she's got to do to get the answers that she needs and whatnot. Or like Sansa, I mean. Right. But, you know, the, he's, I think he just. I mean, obviously, you know, he's got this weird foot thing, but he does it for he has subjugated the queen of the seven kingdoms to his perverse you know, will to play his little game. Yeah, it's got to be a combination of those two. Yeah. And like I said, he don't really care whether she knows all the information or not or Otto knows all the information or not. He's just playing things to his advantage. Yeah. And obviously this is his little, you know kinky thing he likes and he's the thing he hadn't gotten some head maiden you know to be weird with him this is the queen yeah he's like getting off on the feet and the domination at the same time yeah and her position and how he has positioned himself you know with this whole heron hall plot to kind of have her under his thumb yeah and it's it's interesting the dynamic change like otto is taken down a peg but laris goes up a peg and seems to be elevating himself above the uh the queen and so interestingly we have like the white worm elevating herself above Otto, and then we have laris elevating himself above the queen so those could be like two factions that are going to be sort of battling it out um definitely <laughs> each one Otto and the queen in debt of their spy master the white worm and laris that'll be really interesting going forward to see how that plays out so then the morning arrives and we see each of the main players on the greens as the sun is still hovering just beneath the horizon. We're starting to get a little bit of light, but Aegon is just chilling out, eating some chicken or something. Otto is standing, looking out of the window nervously. Aemond is sitting in a chair, contemplating everything. And Alicent is standing by a brazier, looking all nervous. 
and Rhaenys sits in the dark as well. But all of a sudden, there's a commotion in the background, and it's Eric. Eric, out of the way. Out of my way. Yeah. And he's taking advantage of the moment. There must have been a just a brief time period where he can get to the princess and free her. And it's interesting because uh, he goes through the main door to get her, her here, right? Out of my way. He has to push somebody out of the way. But then he exits with her through the secret tunnels. So why didn't he just take the secret tunnels to enter her room? Yeah, I don't know. You I mean, know. maybe there's not any to wherever they're holding Rainey's. Well, there must. I mean, oh, yeah, true. He, he he somehow gets her into the secret tunnels, right? Maybe there's no entrance into that particular room. But it seems like Rainey's was unaware of these tunnels, right? Because he's leading the way. He must have gone through the secret tunnels with Egon in Knights of Debauchery. Egon leading the way, bringing his protector with him as they exit into King's Landing. But Rhaenys seems unfamiliar with the passages as they get down into the chamber where Balerion's skull is. And she pauses like, holy, sh- it's Balerion, you know? And she like, I love that, that she stops dead in her tracks. And there's just like a brief moment of reverence where she's looking at Balerion and absorbing that this is where his skull has been this whole time. Man, imagine how big his pelvis must be. Where is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where's the rest of his skeleton? And this <laughs> is the way they shot this scene was is really again we see the scope and the scale of a tiny human. Versus just the head of Valerian the Black Dread. And Vagar is huge, but, you know, I want to see Valerian live and in action one day. Colossal. Hopefully, hopefully we'll get the, con- the conquest. Yeah, if we do, I send you guys that meme of, of uh, some of the fan art that took Henry Cavill and put him in Damon's armor with black fire and yeah. the, uh, the, the cat's pod dagger, Aegon's dagger and Aegon's crown. And he looked awesome as Aegon the Conqueror. It'd be, yeah. <laughs> it'd be great to be get Henry Cavill. Pretty, epic, pretty yeah. epic casting for sure. It'd be so um, cool. So Rainey's mom was Jocelyn Baratheon. So she, I'm, I can't remember it. Rainey's may have grown up at Storm's End. Um, well, although if her mom was Baratheon, then then her father was oh, was uh, was Jaehaerys one or? of well, was Jaehaerys. She was she and Viserys are Jaehaerys grandkids. Oh, so right, right. whoever okay. her dad was. So if the mom, I was thinking, but if Rhaenys' mom was Baratheon and father was Targaryen, she probably did grow up in King's Landing. I was yeah. thinking if she grew up in in Storm's End, then she probably almost never had the chance to use or see any of the secret passageways or to right. see the the bottom of the red keep where they keep Valerian. It's interesting though, because Rhaenyra had not seen them either until Daemon showed her. And so Rhaenys didn't see them. Rhaenyra didn't see them, but both Daemon and Aegon had, were familiar with the passages quite apparently. Uh, oh, and as Eric shows up to save her, he says an important line. I cannot let this treachery stand. And yeah, they must enter the secret passages elsewhere because before they get in the secret passages, they pass Caswell, who's hanging in the map room or something. And he's been executed, met the king's justice. So that sucks. And they exit. And yeah, Rhaenys is like, where are we? As they get down to the battlements. 
and he's like just south of King's Way. So this seems to exit um, like into King's Landing, it, apparently. Yeah, he said they're just south of the King's Way. Yeah, interesting. Very interesting. So then at this point, he's like, the Blackwater's this way. We got to go. And at this point, it cuts to the White Worms Villa, which we saw at the end of last episode when Talia went to inform her of the goings on. And this time it's it's up in flames. It's engulfed and flames are just pouring out the windows. Too bad because it's a beautiful looking place. Clearly one of the nicest places in King's Landing. And I was wondering at this point, will she think it's Otto who she just revealed herself to? Did he, does she think he's trying to take her out because she was trying to leverage him? Will she retaliate? So this could be, this could end up dividing Otto and the white worm in theory, which would cancel out my idea of white worm and Otto versus Allison and Laris. But you know, who knows? It'll be, I'm curious to see what happens as a result of this. How will the white worm react she could, she has people inside the keep. She could be dropping poison in cups, you know, <laughs> like she's dangerous as hell, dude. She's terrifying. Yeah, definitely. I think Rainey's grew up on Dragonstone. Oh, wow. All right. So yeah, that, that, that could explain that. And, uh, they get down to the streets and Rainey's tells Eric, I won't leave Maylis. And I love this, the loyalty between, you know, a dragon rider and their dragon. One of the first things on her mind is always Maylis. And I mean, I guess it could just be for the, the nuclear factor. So they're, she's saying that she wants to get to the dragon pit and he's like, no way they'll expect you there. Plus you won't get past the gates. It's ridiculous. Come on, we got to get to the riverfront and find a ship. So he's got like a really half-baked plan. He doesn't have a ship. (laughs) He's just like, we got to get out of here. This is our best bet. And uh, before they can really figure out what's going on, all of a sudden everybody's being funneled in one direction and gold cloaks are just pushing all the, the small folk through the alleys. And they're like, holy crap, they're just caught in like a sea of people. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're being funneled to the dragon pit like sheep to the slaughter. And we even see a few sheep being pushed around to it just to <laughs> really oh, yeah. hammer that home. Pretty, pretty poetic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, before they know it, they're separated just by the sheer mass of people. And Rainice is further ahead from Eric and he's shouting for people to get out of the way. And the bells are tolling and they're, he's unable to catch up with their... And then it cuts to Alicent and Egon who are riding in a litter or as the gold cloak call it a, um, a wheelhouse in, uh, <laughs> they're shouting at him, make way for the Royal wheelhouse. And they're talking and we had this similar shot in the episode with the hunt back in the day. So long ago at this point <laughs> where Viserys is sitting on the left where Egon is sitting now and Rhaenyra and Alicent were both sitting on the right. So it's like, Oh man, mm-hmm. you can see like how things have changed since that time. Uh, same camera angle and everything. And they're discussing about what's going on and how 
Aegon sees right through this. Allison tells him, no, it was his last dying wish that <laughs> that you should be the king. And he's like, bullshit. My father never wanted this. He had 20 years to name me heir. He never did. He upheld Rhaenyra's claim. He could have changed his mind, but he didn't because he didn't like me. And which is true, probably because mm-hmm. he's a little shitbag. He knows the truth. <laughs> There's zero chance of this being true. That in his final breath, he whispered that Aegon should take the throne. Nope. And so she pulls out the dagger and opens up a box. And he's like, do not toy with me, mother. And yeah, it's, it's like only at this point is he does he take her seriously? Yeah, I mean, he's got on his his best black outfit with his kind of gold dragon on it. Tight. And he's got his cape. He's got his gloves. I don't know if he has them on here, but at the coronation, he has on his gloves. And, you know, he's in the horse law, you know, being <laughs> uh, spirited to the dragon pit. And he still doesn't take it serious. Like, it's hap- whether you take it seriously or not, dude, it's happening. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't comprehend. I mean, it's almost like he doesn't comprehend that it's really happening until she shows him that dagger. I had a different read on this. I I thought okay. like he knows it's happening, but when he sees the dagger, he for a for a moment begins to take seriously her claim that it was Egon's wish and the dagger to him in my eyes represented like a gesture of love from his father, something that he hasn't felt in forever because they've been at odds and Viserys knows he's a, a shitbag. Like I said, like I said, so he sees the dagger and he's like, Oh, my, my father really did want me to do this and appreciates me and loves right. me. And so that's what I thought at this moment. And then she's telling him, you know, he picks up the dagger. Like it's the first, you know, time his father's ever loved him and he's looking at it and, this is when Allison's like, listen, your 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 grandfather, the hand is going to try to get you to kill Rhaenyra to put them to the sword. You have to reject it. We we must not rule with cruelty and callousness. We, we, you and me, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and for all her faults, Rhaenyra is your sister, your, your father's daughter, you know, half sister. And uh, it's like it's all just going right past Aegon because he's thinking about the love from his father and the dagger and the moment he looks up to her and he's like, do you love me? You know, like. <laughs> <laughs> I love that she's like you imbecile, and but you she smiles imbecile. as she says it. Yeah. Oh, you imbecile! I'm talking about like how we have to rule the seven kingdoms, prevent the war, send terms to Rhaenyra. We're not going to kill her because Otto's going to tell you to do this and this and this. And she's like going over this, and it's like this is why because she's your sister. Viserys loved her very much. We're not going to kill her, okay? Yeah. Mom, do you love me? It's like you imbecile. Yeah. Shut up. Of course I love you. I'm putting you on the Iron Throne. We've yeah, done all this exactly. early in the conversation. Do you know what has been done to give you this day? Yeah, like um, everything I've I, gone just, I love that. I love that. Her reaction is like, it was so funny. <laughs> it was like a heartwarming little moment. Uh, like, you know, and she kind of smiles when she says that. We know that she, you know, she's been very harsh with Aegon, you know, with all his depravity that she's had to cover up and everything. But it doesn't mean she doesn't love him. Exactly. It's still her son. She still loves him. But just in the moment, she's trying to get him to focus on you're about to be crowned. And that's what you're focusing on. <laughs> it's like, clearly, I love you. <laughs> Damon tells Viserys in the throne room when they're fighting, your word is truth and law. Oh, when yeah. When you become king, when Aegon becomes king, his word is truth and law. So she's trying to impress upon him. This is what we need to do. Not kill Rhaenyra, okay? <laughs> Mom, do you love me? He's she's so like, ah. <laughs> that's what you're hung up on like it doesn't even matter you're about to be king 
<laughs> so funny. And uh, this, oh, this is when uh, the, the the watch captain is like, make way for the royal wheelhouse. It's like, and I'm realizing, oh, so this is how you gather crowds for royal announcements in Westeros. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this way, you filthy peasants. <laughs> exactly. You drive them with horse and whip uh, and block off every potential avenue of escape force them to a location Hilarious. and here i think rainies gets caught behind one of the royal roadblocks and mm-hmm. then as the horse you know speeds past the city watch lets her go yep so perfect transition oh this reminds me of uh it's like when uh it's like sansa and baelish are heading north on the king's road and brienne and Arya are kind of hiding or the Hound and Arya are like lurking nearby and they kind of like cross paths and they see the carriage go by, I think, but like right. they're just so close to, to connecting, but they don't because yeah. Arya's lost at this point, like long lost, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty crazy. And then as soon as the royal carriage goes past, they reopen the street and then continue to literally herd all the small folk uh, up the hill towards the dragon pit. And this is when Rhaenyra, Rhaenys... Renice realizes that they're going to the dragon pit and a look of like a smile crosses her face as she's like, yes, this is exactly where I want to go. And I have cover with among all these bazillions of people. I'll be able to infiltrate and <laughs> and hopefully exfiltrate. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. And so uh, then it cuts to outside of the dragon pit and we get a cool overhead shot of the entryway and the the people funneling up and through the different paths and at this point the small folk have given up resisting and they're like i i guess we're headed to the dragon pit (laughs) and they're all just kind of lumbering along and we enter and Otto is telling them the situation that it's a sad day the king is dead viserys the peaceful we get that that name mm-hmm. the new moniker for Viserys again but it's also joyous a, a joyous day for as his spirit left us he whispered his final wish that his firstborn son Aegon should, should succeed him and uh, the crowd is kind of like huh like they're not really quite sure how to react at this point but they they applaud and um he calls the guards and a procession of guards arrive for a dramatic entry for Aegon forming a, a double uh, a two lines and crossing their swords it made me think of Alice in Wonderland when the queen is arriving and all of the, mm-hmm. uh, the playing cards have their staffs of like clubs and stuff and they cross them and I think or maybe I'm just hallucinating this in my memory But it's so cool. Egon comes walking through and the trumpets play and they sort of echo throughout the pit in in a really cool, like such a big cavernous room. Like, you know, it's huge, but it has great acoustics. Definitely. <laughs> and, and Otto is looking nervous at this point. Like, Oh God, is this really going to, is it going to happen? <laughs> and Egon comes walking through and the swords <laughs> swoop down behind him as he passage passes each set of sword. So yeah, cool. sort of, I think it's sort of, you know, kind of symbolizing we're all on this journey. Like we're past the point of no return and there's no going back. But that's a good, for, really good way to look at that. So for Aegon, there's no going back. For Allison and Otto, there's no going back. For Rhaenyra and Damon, there's no putting the genie back in the bottle. They've crossed the Rubicon. They, they have crossed the Rubicon. They have anointed and crowned Aegon. And usurped the Iron Throne. And the toothpaste it's is like, not going back in the tube at this point. This is it. This is it. <laughs> really cool metaphor. 
It's so crazy. Yeah. So, you know, for Aegon, I mean, he's the king now. And he, you know, he kind of comes to embrace it there before Rainey's, you know, ruins his moment in the sun. But um, but for everybody in the story, like this is the point of no return. Um I mean, there's been a lot of lines in the sand, you know, Allison coming at Rhaenyra with the dagger at Trefmark. There's been a lot of things that continue to escalate it, but actively usurping the throne that was promised to Rhaenyra is war. So that kind of. Yeah, that's the line. And, and it's, you know, it's a, it's a cool, it's a cool, you know, visual thing for them to do. And it's like, don't lower your sword too fast, man. You'll give King egg on a haircut. <laughs> yeah. um, but you know, it's pretty, pretty crazy. And, uh, their, their movements like, you know, in drill and, and we in the Marine Corps, we didn't reduce like the drill instructors. Like they, one guy had a sword in the whole formation and he marches around with a sword. But anyway, like when the silent drill platoon, they have rifles with bayonets on them, but their movements for us, like all have to be perfectly in sync. And you these, know, um, Pollard designed the drill, uh, nice. the Marine drill stuff. He took them from right. being like a mess and made them drill champions. Kind of Excellent. So they, um, the movements here, you know, with the swords, as far as each pair, as they lowered it, you know, their timings all seem pretty, pretty much right on. Um, then like when they march in and then they turn in board and then draw their swords and raise them. And then mm-hmm. they, they raise the, all raise them again as one. I think once he comes through the tunnel, and then they like go to uh, sheath and they all sheath them. And it's, it's not perfect, but it's pretty good. And I assume most of those, that was, they had real actors for that. Or the, I mean, the end of the line, they may have kind of filled in with CGI in the background, but. The crowd looked amazing talking about like CGI to create bigger crowds. Remember there was that right. ring of ring of power, rings of power uh, clip where they had like a tiny crowd of like a hundred people. And it was just, yeah. they spent a billion dollars on this show and it's just like clusters of the same people all over the place. <laughs> yeah, this insane. one, I, I paused it. I looked around. I couldn't find any, any duplicates. This crowd looked nice. legit. It was, it was awesome. Yeah. A lot of them, though, it looked like it's like, is there no like middle class? Because they all looked like beggars almost, it seemed like. It was like they're <laughs> yeah, all just yeah. in their ratty brown, kind of disheveled looking, yep. at least the ones at the front that I kind of glanced at. Yeah, no middle class in King's Landing. I mean, there's just there's the lords and then there's the small folk who yep. are all like, there's no, I guess there's no middle class in the small folk. It's all poverty. So it's right at this moment where Otto begins to speak about how it's a privilege and good fortune to be here to witness this day. You start hearing the queen's green dress theme. And I was like, Oh man, this is so cool. And and Otto is talking about how it's a new day for the realm, for the city, a new King to lead us. And Rhaenys is watching from the crowd with fascination as Alicent kisses Aegon's forehead and they begin the ceremony. Yeah, this um, seeing Rainey's in the crowd, um, like Arya, Arya, as she's watching Ned at the Sept of Baylor right before he gets beheaded. At this point, Arya's hair had been cut, right? Yorin grabs her from the crowd and then cuts her hair right after. OK, as he's walking by, he notices Yorin and he says the statue and Yorin goes and yeah. sees Arya up there and collects her. And he's the one that slices off her hair. So, so, but when she's standing on the, on the statue, I mean, she's not as incognito as Rainey's is here, but we get, you know, a girl or a lady in the crowd 
you know, who is lurking and kind of see, trying to see what's going on and what's happening. Mm-hmm. And Arya was powerless to do anything about it. Oh. So it's not the same as Game of Thrones. And like George Lucas said, uh, it's not history or whatever. It, it's not the same, but it <laughs> history rhymes. rhymes yeah. <laughs> um, but here, Rhaenys is not powerless to change things in what's going on. I mean, she is in the moment as she was getting pushed into the dragon pit and down the streets of King's Landing. But now she's in the dragon pit. This is where she wants to be. She kind of waits and witnesses and kind of looks around for a little bit and sees Aegon crown. As the Septon and, and, is doing the thing. It's, yeah, it's as he's like, like mm. rubbing stuff on, a, on Aegon's forehead. This, may the warrior give him courage. May the smith lend strength. You know, and it's at this point that Rhaenys makes for the dragons. Yeah, she's like, mm, I've seen enough of this. Uh, <laughs> let me go Let me go get my, my red girl. Hilarious, too, that uh, there's like no locked doors between the <laughs> this area and the dragon. It, I mean, it's fine because the dragons wouldn't fit through these small passages anyway to get their human-sized passages. But, right. uh, and obviously, like, nobody's going to be stupid enough to try to go down there. And if they are, they'll get right. flamed, so Yeah, maybe their thinking is who one is a dragon need to be guarded. Yeah. Like if there's if not a dragon rider approaching him or some other, uh, dragon keeper or other Targaryen Valerian, you know, with the blood of old Valeria. Yeah. They're probably going to get cooked or eaten or both. So get turned into toasted Tarleys. <laughs> exactly. Toasted Tarleys, man. What a great scene. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, so, so the Septon Eustace, which I for, had forgotten his name, uh, he's featured in the book a fair amount, I think. You know, he he anoints and basically blesses the king, and then Kristen is the, and so this is is book accurate. Kristen um, takes Aegon the Conqueror's crown and uh, kind of proclaims the crown of the Conqueror passed down through generations. Um, let the seven bear witness: Aegon Targaryen is the true heir to the Iron Throne. Bro. So they have to like they have to state this out loud in public because they're usurping the throne. Yeah, exactly. Um, and obviously all the small folk have been conditioned for the last 20 years to that Rhaenyra is the crown princess. All the small folk. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, you make a song about that. Um, <laughs> so, and I think through this, we, we kind of get Amond and Helena and Allison all kind of their kind of reactions as, as, uh, as Cole is making this proclamation, um, Cole puts the crown on his head and that's it. We, yep. we're, like you said, we're across the Rubicon. And the second that the crown goes on Egon, I feel like he looks like a totally different person. Like all of a sudden he looks pretty badass. <laughs> yeah. You know, we've been kind of complaining about how he looks and he looks younger than Amond and he looks like Dwight Schrute. But like, I think they cast him for... What does he look like with, with the crown. Aegon's crown? Yeah, because he, he looks awesome at this point. Yeah, with the white, you know, blonde platinum wig and the crown. It's like, okay, what does he look like there? Exactly. And that's what they, that's what they cast for. And then they don't really, however he looks without the crown on, it is what it is. Yeah, <laughs> who cares? You know, we're just trying to get to the coronation. <laughs> and he kind of like looks at each one of his family members and they all kind of nod to him. Uh What's her face? Helena nods and like turns away and Eamond like gives a deep, thoughtful nod like, like Eamond bear. I mean, he almost doesn't move at all. I mean, yeah. he's, it's like almost an Super imperceptible slow. little like 
almost like, I don't want to bow to you, but you know, I at least have to kind of move my head a tiny bit. And Otto <laughs> gives him a pretty nice bow. Um, oh yeah. And Big then one. I think when he's still, uh, he had, at, the, at this point he had stood back up, but when he, he was kneeling right as they crowned Aegon, the camera was kind of from Aegon's right and Aemon's left. And it was kind of looking pat like through the gap in between Cole and Aegon. And we were seeing Aemon yeah. specifically in one shot. Uh, watching the crown the go down watching the crown and it was like it was just a cool shot and what it's conveying to us that it's Amen is the one who really wants this yeah. not the one who's getting the crown yep I liked that too and uh, so he stands up and Kristen proclaims all hail his grace Aegon second of his name king of the Andals and the Roinar and the first men lord of the seven kingdoms and the protector of the realm and at first nobody claps and it's just quiet and I'm like oh god what's happening and uh, I thought, I thought we were going to get a Jeb Bush moment here. Clap, please, <laughs> please clap. <laughs> Somebody please clap. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, or like in Shrek, I think there's a guy with a cue card. Applause. Yeah, they have him at like Saturday Night Live and stuff like that too. Applause, applause, applause. The bl- red blinking light. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the bell tolls and Kristen yells again, Aegon the King. And then the crowd starts to erupt with applause. And it's at this moment where Aegon suddenly feels a rush of this approval that he never got from his parents coming from the crowd of thousands of people around him. And it takes him a moment to absorb it and realize what's happening before he realizes they love me. They love me. And he starts pumping his, his sword filled fist up into the air, drawing even more dramatic applause. And it's like, he's like a singer at a rock show. He like, Oh, the right side of the crowd. Oh, to the back. Oh, to the left. And he pumps his fist towards different sections. And the crowd is like doing the wave, you know, not literally, but <laughs> they're, they're all cheering in response. He's pointing at us. He's, he's pointing at us you know and uh Otto looks around like it's working they're accepting him and, and the last minute change of plans for the air yes it's all coming together and it's like he uh Aegon craved that love and affection from his mom and dad and never got it to this level because he's a psycho but now he gets it amply from the crowd and this type of positive reinforcement for a psychopath could have catastrophic consequences. You know, you don't want somebody like this to, to be reinforced positively to, positively to think that they can just do whatever they want and it's good and people will love it because, man, it could uh, it could really start doing some crazy stuff. Ugh. We, we were robbed a tiny bit from the books. Basically, right after they crown him, it's like the crowd is silent for even longer. Oh, and man. A lone, a lone voice says, long live Queen Rhaenyra, or something like that. Oh, like, oh <laughs> shit. <laughs> Damn. And then finally, I think uh, something happens, and then they, the crowd finally starts to come around to Aegon. Damn, that's <laughs> crazy. So, yeah. Oh. And then Aegon, as the crowd screams, Aegon stands with his arms outstretched. Oh, just basking in the glow of the glory and love and affection and Allison smiles. Ah. And 
it says Aegon is standing there basking in the in the love of the crowd and they're screaming, chanting, Aegon the king, long live Aegon. Ah, the crowd goes wild. It's at this moment that all hell breaks loose and the beast beneath the boards busts up through them. <laughs> boom! Giant remember, explosion. Remember what Allison said to Rhaenys? Ring the bell when you have your answer. <laughs> this is Rhaenys ringing the bell. Yeah, I rang a bunch of the bells of the King's Landing citizens and Woo. a giant cloud of dust and smoke and debris and chunks of rock flying everywhere. A whole section of the floor is devoured into a gaping hole and people are flying all over the place as Maylie's the Red Queen with with Rhaenys astride jumps up through the ground and starts spinning around and growling and his tail is sweeping through the area and through the smoke we can see people flying in every direction and falling down into the chasm where they'll inevitably de- be devoured by other dragons definitely that I mean that dragon pit was packed through the people. packed and Maelys is huge and Maelys is a big dragon and she just busts through the floors and I mean, just people everywhere. And then, like you said, the fact she's moving and swinging, she's probably crunching people with her feet. Her tail is just like whipping people like crazy. It's Dude. complete pandemonium. It was pandelirium. I thought we'd be killed or even worse. Hundreds of people were probably killed at that moment. And yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I was thinking like five, six, seven hundred, maybe a thousand. Maybe it easily could be. <laughs> oh man, so brutal! It is. Did just you notice chaos. how thick the doors are? Super thick. So they look like. I mean, like probably four or five feet thick, but it's like it's a dragon pit. It's there to keep the dragons in until the dragon riders are ready to mount them and leave. Damn. So I was like, I was like, if they shut the doors, I mean, Rainy's will just blow through them. But or Could will she? she? I mean, if she melt, if Maylie's like cooked the doors for like a long time, it would it would eventually melt. Whatever, like lightsabers, or, or yeah, it just probably. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. But anyway, somebody from the outside thinks it's a good idea to shut the doors with thousands of thousands, tens of thousands of people trapped inside with the wild drag. I mean, not wild, but a rampaging dragon. Yeah. Yeah, and with the royal family trapped in there with an, it's like, and I was like, no, open the doors, you fool, you know, you're like, what idiot, the hell are you, you, you imbecile, you imbecile, stop, <laughs> open the doors for the love, man, that's pretty funny, totally funny, and it's just chaos and the swirling dust and uh, small folk are flying everywhere, and so there's there, the scene doesn't necessarily have the best graphics throughout this sequence, um, the 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 smoke and stuff didn't look really didn't look quite excellent uh the the distance shots of Maylie's he kind of looked cg but it started looking really good when he started when he when Maylie's face creeps up towards the the dais towards the mm-hmm. the royal family and man it was so sick he has spikes like all over him that point out and it looked like a, a dilophosaurus it made me think <laughs> of that scene really, in jurassic park yeah. where that's like <sighs> and spits acid all over the newman's face <laughs> super crazy how like most of the time I think Cyrax too we noticed kind of they're like laid almost straight back 
I think like they can kind of not necessarily yeah, I mean, but flare them out you know, a little bit at least, you know, or a lot. It's really cool looking. Um, I got that impression too. Pretty interesting. Kind of like a bird's feathers, how they can kind of yeah, angle them. Like Loki will puff, puff up if she wants. And then, yeah, you know. yeah my chickens do that. They'll like kind of ruffle up oh, and yeah, kind of, yeah, yeah. like a cat can maneuver its body to make to look weird and more intimidating. Uh, but yep. <laughs> so as, as Maylee's head, you know, gets closer and closer to the dais, Allison jumps in front of it. But before that, she tells Cole, get Helena. That's her Helena. number one priority. Not the key that she just crowd in the moment of like absolute peril and danger. Get Helena. Yeah. The innocent. So Cole is dutiful as ever. You know, instead of jumping in front of Aegon and trying to slay the dragon, as you know, the <laughs> fairy tale knight would do, he obeys the queen, get Helena out of there, which they're still just standing off to the side. Yeah, and <laughs> the like, conqueror's dude. namesake cowers behind his mama. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Allison jumps in front of him, but normally you would think that he'd be like, no, mother, you know, get back, out of the way. Mother, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll slay this dragon. <laughs> yeah. um, but Allison, you know, like Rainey said, I have to credit you for your boldness. She stares down a dragon. Yeah, and it's sort of like a, a beautiful moment that highlights the uh, the motherly devotion and sacrifice, you know, like uh, willing to die to protect her young, just on instinct, jumping in front of the child is not a child at this point, but yeah. Yeah, her um, child. And there's like a yeah. super tense Crazy. moment where like they can tell the dragon's about to unleash on them and they're all like, oh God. And Allison closes her eyes and it's like she's accepting death in that moment. Yep. And then Melee's starts screeching at him, but no flames come out, only air. And this is when it looks like the Dilophosaurus, like it's spitting the the, the poison oh, all over yeah, Newman. Yeah. With his spikes. spikes are just, out. So gangster. And, and I was, I mean, I was like, this whole thing is new, but I'm like, there's, there's no way knowing some of what happens in the future. I was like, there's no way she roasts them, but right, right. Man, I hope she does, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. just being from team black. I'm like, Oh, is she going to roast them? Roast them, you know, Dracarys, 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 say yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, David, say it, please say it. But she doesn't. Everyone on Team Green here almost joined Team Black if they had been roasted right. from green to black. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. they'd be toasted Charlies, toasted Hightowers. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. And so Crazy. The, the dragon like closes its mouth and for a brief moment, Rhaenys and Allison make eye contact and Rhaenys is kind of like, like, you know, I let you live, you know, kind of moment. And before the dragon turns around and the doors are kind of closing, and Melee's just like leaps out through the door. Like we haven't seen a dragon jump before. And he, he, she, he, she, whatever, jumps through the door and then takes to the sky, leaving the greens <laughs> still green <laughs> instead of burnt black. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah, they probably needed a new, a new change of, uh, what do they call underwear in Westeros? Yeah. <laughs> um, small, small clothes. clothes. <laughs> <laughs> they needed yeah. a change of small clothes. Yeah. Uh, but it's cool. Like, have you seen videos of uh, like an owl or a falcon like fly between two people, and then oh, yeah. like then like pull all their wings all the way back and just go through this tiny gap, and then they re you know they reopen their wings to land yeah. like on their the handler's thing or whatever. Owls specifically have like these blunt like flat ended kind of wings that give them hyper maneuverability in the air. They can fly between tree branches and. Like really impressive so stuff. And they oh, sort like, of did that. Yeah. She sort of jumped and then kind of got through the door with their wings kind of pulled back 
and then she zoomed through, you know, that tight little space of the, of the closing door. And yeah, speaking of flight, uh, she going round and round the room, Loki for our <laughs> Loki. audio viewers, Loki is just doing laps around Duncan. I think she's going to help to, uh, a whole different to check out the, uh, YouTube video. But, um, <laughs> she gets through the, she gets mainly gets through the door. And opens her wings and goes whoosh, whoosh, get some speed and get some altitude to oh, uh, get the man. heck out of there. So epic, dude. Um, Rainy's armor was super cool. Oh, you know, yeah. Almost like a, like a samurai. Let's store cool, it kinda. with her dragons. <laughs> so she could, unless yeah, she had some it people, on underneath her. Yeah. Some people thought she put it on under her, you know, Damon cloak. But her and Eric kind of got out of the keep pretty quickly, you know, we, we presume. So I don't think she was sleeping in. Pretty quick. Yeah. I don't think she would have had time to, it takes like 20 minutes to put on your hockey equipment. So it's got to take yeah, at least half medieval, an hour. Armor. armor is yeah, way yeah. worse than that. But exactly. Yeah. So people online are criticizing Renice for killing hundreds of citizen civilians, but then not finishing the job and killing the greens. But as Allison said, just a couple scenes ago, reluctance to murder is not a weakness, you know? Yeah. Plus definitely. there's a whole element of kin slaying. Yeah. So kind of sucks she didn't myrtleize everybody but at the same time kin slaying is kind of a big deal in westeros right <laughs> yeah and king slaying so even though <laughs> yeah. he's you know like like lord b's the bomb said he's an imposter imposter he was still crowned and anointed as king just then so True. regicide and fratricide or no that's Fratricide is killing your parents. Fratricide is killing your sibling, or I can't remember. Um, anyway, <laughs> that, I think the showrunner and/or the director or the writer or somebody was saying that basically in that moment, Rainey's kind of looked Allison in the eye, and even though they're going to be on opposite sides of this war, Rainey's basically, you know, that's another mother, and with her kids. And ultimately, this is not Rainey's war to fight. Yeah, um, true. I mean, she's going to take sides, but it wasn't for her. It wasn't Rainey's war to finish. Definitely. So, and people are mad um, that she killed a bunch of innocent civilians, but there doesn't seem like there's any other exit. You know, the ramps were closed, so they, they couldn't go up the ramps. There's definitely no other exits around underneath. So the only way out, you know, it's either she's going to die or she has to escape and just cost a bunch of innocent lives to save her own, I guess, you know? Yeah. It, you know, it sucks to be small folk in King's Landing. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's kind of a, a brutal take on it, but I mean, it, it, it's just the reality. All those people, you know, get killed. But um, the only thing cooler that would have made that seem cooler, I think is if she had like roasted the floor and it was like flames and dust, like, almost exploding the floor, you know, Sept of Baylor style. Yeah. Like know, oh, shooting fire just up in that and area, just it shoot open. fire up and out and then like burst through the yeah. flaming floor. <laughs> yeah. That would have but been tight. It was pretty awesome. Yeah, definitely. So as the doors close, finally, the episode ends focused on Allison who sinks her head in relief, considering the implications of all that has just happened with Egon standing behind her. And if there's uh, any question, in his mind as to whether or not she loves him. Now he knows the answer. She stepped in front of a dragon to shield him. <laughs> you know, <laughs> pretty hardcore. Anything else you want to add about this episode overall? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was just, wow, what a ride. Um, 
I mean, just the, the high towers trying to control and constrict the flow of information and they can't keep Masaria from finding out, you know, they can't keep Rainey's, you know, under lock and key and her dragon. And ultimately it's, I mean, they, so their plan worked as far as holding the news as tightly as they could for that one day and then finding Aegon and installing him on the throne. Yep. But for sure. It's still all, you know, their plan didn't work out exactly the way they wanted because Maylis and Rhaenys are, you know, presumably going to go to the, to the black side, team black. To the dark side. (laughs) (laughs) That's not how, that's not the way uh, Otto and his council of traitors uh, drew up their plan. (laughs) Oh, we forgot to talk about Otto's rolling up joints. (laughs) <laughs> there's that scene where but he's doing that when uh, I think before uh, Allison comes in and says haha I won the battle I got Aegon so I'm, I think it's right before that scene yeah what the heck is he doing he's, oh he's, he's rolling up a raven scroll about to send it off but he's putting wax on the inside of it yes yeah, so I remember you said that and I didn't Somebody I said didn't that. look for it I didn't look for it on, on when I watched it this, I think I may, when I, y'all said that I may have already rewatched it so yeah, I don't remember see you know, watching it in close detail to see if but obviously the wax, you know, goes on the outside and you put the little stamp on a stamp or a seal. signet ring or seal, whatever you do to it. But even that, remember Varys knows how to unseal and reseal oh, yeah. a sealed message. Ooh, the tricks of the trade. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> there have been some great so, memes with Otto High Tower, you know. <laughs> Definitely. Pretty, pretty epic. So, man, great episode. Definitely. All right, stick with us. We'll be right back after a short break. And now, time for Raven's Calls. Lord Tom of the Misty Moor says, Sorry if this has been said beforehand, but this show desperately needs comic relief. Give us a Tyrion or Bronn character, anything. There's no humor at all to bring levity to all the pain and death. I think I'm enjoying the show overall, but I'm not really sure anymore. I think we'll get some, something. You know, there's got to be. We mushroom would have been that if we had gotten some some shroomikins. Yeah, you know, definitely some some uh, some jests from mushroom the fool. The fool yeah. I mean, I personally, I laughed at the you imbecile, but you right, know, if you yeah, take that from if you think about that from Aegon's perspective, it's pretty harsh. <laughs> but I took it as funny. <laughs> but yeah, there's um, definitely not that witty, you know, Tyrion, Tyrion kind yeah. of a character to. Hmm. Maybe we'll fu- maybe we'll get something. I don't know. I think Damon's funny. We just didn't have any Damon this episode. You know. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. Some of his, you know, cracking up during uh, Lena's funeral or her. You googly. You googly. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's like, but it's like inappropriate funny. Like 
you can't be laughing right now. <laughs> True. And like, I'm laughing at Laris, you know, but that's it, always inappropriate too. Maybe I'm just sick <laughs> in the head. <laughs> Thank you, Lord Tom. Always good to hear from you, brother. Hope all is well in the Misty Moor. Sir Matthew of House Rep says, here we are at the precipice of civil war and the penultimate episode of the first season of, the, of House of the Dragon. With King Viserys gone, Otto wastes no time in putting his well-laid plans into motion. Poor doddering old master of coin, Lord Beesbury, comes to his senses just in time to get his head smashed in by Kristen Cole. We see family lines drawn not only amongst the Targaryens, but between House Cargill, as Eric realizes what a monster Aegon can be and splits from his brother Eric and tries to smuggle Princess Renice out of King's Landing. Little did he realize that the queen who wasn't and Maylis the Red Queen had things well under control. Masaria's quote about power, there is no power but what we allow you to take, is very similar to Varys's. Power resides where men believe it resides. It's a trick shadow on the wall and a very small man can cast a very large shadow both believe that it is the small folk that give the kings their power and use their treachery to help the common people good point good good connection there i like that i would try to make a laris joke but i'm afraid i would get off on the wrong foot but <laughs> oh, nice. classic <laughs> thank you sir matthew great to hear you <laughs> Lady Mary Patricia of House Derigo says, Allison standing up to her dad. Nice. Larius had a foot fetish. Whatever floats your, whatever floats your boat, man. Aegon is throwing some serious Joffrey vibes. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think she means at the end when he's kind of getting high on power. Yeah. Rhaenys like is a sick badass. I love her. Husband thought it was a slow episode, but the tension just kept building and building. Loved so it. much tension. So much tension. <laughs> Good to hear from you, Lady Mary. Thanks for writing in. And Lord Joey of House Pool posted the picture of the guy leaning out from behind the tree, mm, licking his lips like, <laughs> like he's eager. And the caption says, Laris Strong, thinking about Alicent's feet again. <laughs> oh, man, so brutal. Definitely. And we have a voicemail from, Lord, from Archmaester Stitches. Sir Duncan, Lord Zach, Archmaester Stitches from the Siren Isle here. Yo! Well, I'm going to say, man, you got to see this episode was just not as gripping without Team Rhaenyra involved. You know, not having <laughs> Daemon and uh, Rhaenyra in the episode. It, it felt a little more uh, one-sided. Zach no, is agreeing over here. It was uh, <laughs> not my favorite. I'm definitely not Battle of the Bastards or some of the other episode nines we've had throughout the original series. But definitely not the weakest episode um and better and better with the differences from the book to, to nice. what the show's doing uh, i think what they've they're doing with the white uh worms motivations for what's going to happen which yeah. is a massive spoiler so not going to go into that but it's coming uh and i i think that um helena's uh, demon under the boards. A lot of people would think, well, that's probably just Renice breaking through the the ground, which it could be 
to to do this awesome scene we saw in this episode, but I think it's hinting more towards something else. Ooh. And, uh, that's all I can say about that right now. But <laughs> Renice, man, she could have saved like HBO a ton of money. You know, she could have just roasted the whole council there. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> the team black would have just won and would have fell swoop. Yeah. Um, but I think, and y'all might've already talked about this, but I think it's got to do more with, this was finally something in her control that she could choose what happens instead of uh, it being true. chosen for her by the people and all that kind of stuff. Interesting. Uh, man. Uh, I noticed in the opening that Viserys is symbol uh, filled with blood. So I thought that was cool. Yeah. Um, some change stuff gone. And then it went down and you could see from uh, the high tower of Allison's little sigil in the opening that there was four bloodlines. So they did hint, uh, uh, to, I can't Day remember Ron. his name, Darkhan or Dankon or something like that. <laughs> That's not uh, the fourth kid that we haven't seen. <laughs> Dang, so I'm guessing Dankin. he's going to be in season two. He's the baby. Um, well, I don't think he'd even be a baby at this point. Yeah, probably not. But yeah, man. Uh, again, not as all over the place as, uh, as I would hope um, it would have been. It was very concentrated. I felt like the whole thing was kind of like a a where's Waldo finding Aegon episode, which again <laughs> in the middle of the season might've felt a little better, but being the penultimate, I was a little disappointed in that. Um, God, I still hate Aegon. Fuck, yeah, this guy got time. like kids with filed teeth and their nails sharpened and stuff like that with like house sigils on their backs, like fighting in a pit. So insane, crazy. Dude. But then there we go. The high towers, you know, just uh, already breaking their, I say, I mean, they still could put it into the fighting pits, but I doubt it. But they they burned the White Worms mansion there. So I don't think they're going to stay true to their word. And uh, I felt really bad, though, you know, for Allison, you know, because the the book makes it seem like she's so involved with uh, all the conniving and everything that's going on with her council. And you can see that she wasn't privy to most of it. And she's actually yeah. upset. That you know they're that they're just continually just using her more and more as a pawn. Maesters gave her a bad really name. Her father's game, and the Lannisters are all involved in everything. So damn Lannisters. But I did hear that all those pre-screeners that go out all these YouTube channels and stuff like that. That uh, none of those went out for this final episode. So, uh, which is cool. So that yeah, that is that cool. We'll get to experience it with the whole world, and I think something. Big's got to be coming if they're not going to, you know, something that's not in the books. Like this whole uh, Rainey's uh, face off with uh, the the king's coronation and all that in the dragon pit. That, none of that's in the book. So that's really, if they're going to do something like that, only even larger, um, then I'm good. Because like the, I can't remember his name, I'm talking about, but the bald Kingsguard guy, I think he dies way early on in the book and he's not dead right now. Sir and obviously Harold. he's going to do like a Barristan sell me, it looks like. Oh, yeah. And, uh, go to Rhaenyra, Join up with Danny. I, I, it seems, I don't know. Again, that's all uncharted territory, um, which I love. Again, better and better differences between the book and the show. The show is just so much cooler and uh, I'm ready for next week. All right. Great to hear from you, Archmaster Stitches. <laughs> Always got awesome. great feedback. Awesome feedback. And yeah, a little bit less crazy than I expected the penultimate to be as well. But it was gripping in its own in its own way. The tension was super thick. So I ended up really liking it a lot. And I forgot to mention just how much I love the the design of 
Maylie's the Red Queen, Renice's dragon, red with little white spots and stuff. It just just a really cool looking dragon overall. Really awesome. All right, that's our show, episode one twenty nine. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks so much. A huge thank you to John Bailey, the epic voice guy from the Emmy-nominated Honest Trailers for announcing our show. And many thanks to our epic patrons on Patreon. Sirenicide, Lord John of House Grills, Sir Matthew of House Rep, Lord Jeremiah of House Becker, the last High Gardener of High Garden, Sir Corey Eugene of House Coon, and Lady Naya of House Thrice. On another note, if you enjoy my take on stuff, you might be excited to learn that I'm working on a project of my own, a series in a novel screenplay hybrid form called The Core Saga. More info coming soon on that. If you'd like to donate or subscribe to support us, you can go to paypal.me slash gompodcast or patreon.com slash gompodcast to donate an amount of your choosing. There are links to both at gameofmicrophones.com and in the description of this podcast. Doing some online shopping? Then go on over to gameofmicrophones.com, scroll down to the bottom, and click on our link to Amazon. As an Amazon associate, we earn from qualifying purchases. Any contribution you make helps, and you can help secure the continued existence of GOM. And make sure to check out Sirenicide and Hearing the Haunted, the horror drama podcasts featuring me and Archmaster Stitches. Go to Sirenicide.com and HearingTheHaunted.com or download them wherever you get your podcasts. Next episode, we'll be covering House of the Dragon, Season 1, Episode 10, the finale, The Black Queen. (laughs) We'll be recording on Monday afternoon again, so make sure to send us your episode feedback as quickly as possible following the show's airtime so we can include your thoughts on Game of Microphones. If you'd like to call, you can call us at 813-JOFFREY. That's 813-563-3739. If you'd like to send a Raven, you can email us at ravens at gameofmicrophones.com. Make sure to join us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash G-O-M podcast. Each week, we're posting a feedback thread where you can leave your thoughts and comments on new episodes for us to read on air. M-Flap! You can also watch Game of Microphones on YouTube, Rumble, BitChute, and Odyssey. Audio podcasts are great, but... Video is better. (laughs) And we're currently trying to build our minuscule, tiny subscriber count, so go to youtube.com slash gameofmicrophones now and subscribe. Likes, comments, and shares are also appreciated. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Gab, and Minds at G-O-M Podcast. And on Tumblr at Game of Microphones. All right, that's our show. Thanks Thanks for for listening. listening. We must not rule with cruelty and callousness. For all her faults, she is your sister, your your father's daughter. Do you love me? You imbecile.
That means you've seen all previously episode airs, all previously aired. <laughs> Season one, episode nine, the Grunt Council. <laughs> oh. Since I don't like, since I don't like the Green, the, <laughs> the Green Council, <laughs> Council. <laughs> wearing little black boots, little little leather blue. Little leather boots. If Allison, you know, is as pure as the wind-driven snow as you like to think, um, as I know, just say, you mean? I wrote all the names down. Uh, the scheming, the scheming plotters, the plotting schemers, darkling uh, plots. Filling in for me today is the tweet. Nice. And thunder ominously rolls. Mm-hmm. And, Give me a mic check. <laughs> Perfect. As the Canadians would say, beauty, eh? So basically, uh, what's the like the law of primacy? That's a different thing, but I was trying to think of a smart thing to say. Just just going to get my horse. No, nothing to see here. You know, the little boy that was the bag man. Arak, Eric. Eric. I thought for a moment there might be a dragon sitting on the other side <laughs> of the gate. That would, like, oh, that would be crazy. Let go of me. Cool. And I think as uh, as they're carrying him off, he says, do you know who I am? Which <laughs> always, it always cracks me up when people drop that line. It's like, yeah. it doesn't matter. You're in trouble. Yep. Probably didn't get a uh, trial by the jury of his peers. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> And if he can't get more feetsies, maybe he would be upset. <laughs> he might be loyal to them f- stanky feet. He has died and y'all are up to no good. Y'all are up to <clears> no <throat> good. That's like the first time I've ever said y'all out loud, I think. Nice. <laughs> Allison, you know, has the right of this. She has the, the temperament and thought process of, you know, counting the cost of her people, you know, more than, you know, most rulers do. She's obviously way better fitted than Aegon would be. Get out of here. I may only be a young girl <laughs> without knowing the ways of war. <laughs> That's oh, yeah. so funny. R.I.P., man. R.I.P. Roy Dotrice. Yeah. He was so awesome. Yeah. But um, she has people pretty, in the in the keep, you know, like her spiders yeah, are slinking around. Everybody's at danger if, if Missaria is angered. All right. I got to Go run. All right. Oh, yes, sir. Sounds good, brother. Stop recording here. Stop recording. All right. There. Nice. Actually, not nice. <laughs> what the hell? You know I'm fucked in the head. <laughs> Eric is the one that goes black and never goes back. You know what you got to do if you want answers. You know how to get them. Take them shoes off. We're doing the thing. This is where she takes the stockings off. Oh, so, you know, it's really getting serious. Out of my way. I will not let this treachery stand. (laughs) Treachery. The greens are treacherous. (laughs) Totally. This way, you filthy peasants. Exactly. You drive them with horse and whip. It's weird to talk about poop in terms of favorites but (laughs) bird poop is the best poop because it doesn't stink at all you know and you just wipe it off and it's gone my favorite poop yes (laughs) exactly my favorite my favorite poop 
Ugh, nasty. So they're really, really making um, Allison like Cersei in terms of the music. That's what the music is telling us, that these characters are like parallel characters. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> this is Rainey's ring in the bell. Maylee sort of did that. Yeah. She sort of jumped and then kind of got through the door with her wings kind of pulled back. And then she zoomed through, you know, that tight little space of the of the closing door. And so, yeah, speaking of flight, uh, she going round and round the room. Loki, for our <laughs> okay. audio viewers, Loki is just doing laps around Duncan. I think she's going to go. <laughs> and I'll splice that earlier as well. <laughs> We're all out of order. Yeah, yeah. Do you love me? Make way, make way for the royal wheelhouse. I say, make, make way for the royal horsler. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. 